Welcome everyone to Davos Fingers episode 94, Targaryen Family Values. I'm Scatty and with me as always is my buddy Matt. Hey, hey, hey everybody. In this episode, uh, man, this is it. We, uh, we're in the middle of the book, which means the end of our coverage. <laughs> <laughs> we like to finish in the middle. This is how we do it. Um, usually I finish towards the beginning, but you know. Um, in this episode, we're continuing, finishing off really, well, sort of finishing off our coverage of Jaharis and Alisan, covering in specific uh, The Long Reign, which starts on page 302 through, oh gosh, it changed and I forgot to look. It's really only to like 339. 339 is what it is, which is the end of a chapter. Yes, it's the end of the chapter. Policy, progeny, and pain, right? That one, yes. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the one. Yes. Policy, progeny, and pain. Um, all these chapter headings, of course, taken from uh, the book Fire and Blood, which is what we've been covering for the past few episodes. And darn it if it hasn't been a fun ride. It's been really fun, yeah. And... It's it is like Matt said a little bit weird where we're stopping and we won't just stop when we get to, to the end of the long reign policy progeny and pain we won't just stop there we'll kind of continue on with some thoughts about how this part of the history leads into the next part um, which you know we've kind of already covered uh, but to just kind of complete the circle we'll talk a little bit about it but yeah it is a weird place to stop a little bit but. Uh, it's been a it's been a great fun ride, regardless of how we've done it. Yep, and we'll have some fun at the end of the episode for sure. Yes, absolutely. A couple special things planned. All righty. Um, speaking of stuff we're reading, uh, Scad, you've been really reading um, Joe Buckley's book, Great Castles of Westeros. I haven't gotten too far into it, although I'm slowly chipping away, uh, having fun with it. Well, slowly chipping away might be a more accurate uh, description. Uh, I only started reading it, um, I don't know, a little a little over a week ago maybe. Mm -hmm. I just kind of read it in the mornings um, when I've got like 15 or 20 minutes before I head into work. And, uh, you know, just kind of kind of keep going. And what I, what I really like about it, because it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be, um, it is, it does kind of try to playfully take it from like the castle's perspective a little bit and, and how it relates. But really, the way... I, I take it and the way I think I might use it after I finish it and kind of as a reference guide going forward is it allows you to kind of zoom to a location on the map uh, that you want to see how history happened from their perspective. I'm in the Dornish section now, right? And so I can read about, you know, Westerosi history from the Dornish perspective and I can kind of go and be like, what did they think or what were they doing while this was all going on? Instead of having to kind of search through different areas for it so it's kind of like a people's a people's guide to the history of westeros which i'm i'm really liking it for that reason um and it is cool also just to have all the castle information in one place so joe good on you man i'm really enjoying it um you know for for those uh looking for for something it is um it's dense it's a lot of information um but it's organized in a different way than you're used to which helps you think about it in a different way. So give it a look. It's uh, it's really good. And what, what I've enjoyed about it, too, is um, you mentioned the density of it. And Joe, obviously, he talks about it in the introduction to the book, his passion that he has for castles and the history behind them and everything. 
He does. And uh, it's, it's not... It's not a passion that I can completely relate to, if I'm being honest. And we so... don't have any over here. <laughs> we have the Alamo. <laughs> wow. Wow, Matt. Joe is um... rolling over in his bed. <laughs> um, where was I going with that? Uh, so I didn't know if I would be, frankly, very interested in the subject matter. Um, but what's really roped me in is not only the things that you've said, Scad, but also Joe's really, um, poignant and articulate voice that he writes with. It's conversational. Yeah. It's interesting. It draws you in. It's humorous. It's light, even while covering dense material. And, uh, it's, it's made for a very interesting read. I, I would read pretty much anything I think that Joe wrote if, uh, it was done in in that voice that he uses for for this book. So, highly recommend. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's definitely easy to hear his his tone come through, and we've talked to him before, obviously, so we can kind of hear that in his conversation. Hear style. that deep British accent. <laughs> yeah, right. Sexy as heck. Right. So anyway, Great Castles of Westeros. Check it out. And uh, also uh, tomorrow. So we're recording on a Friday night. On Saturday, the next day, we're going to have our hangout with our $10 and up patrons. We're really excited about that. Got a handful of people going to make the call with us and uh, going to talk Song of Ice and Fire and life and all sorts of other things. And uh, really excited about that. Betcha. By the time this releases, faces. We, yeah, by the time this releases, we will have done it, obviously. So I'm sure we had a great time. Yeah. Some sweet memories. Yeah, remember that time when, and then fill in the blank. <laughs> All right, moving on. A little short on announcements this week. So uh, you're probably used to our Kermit format by now because we're almost done with it. Uh, we got Fire and Blood uh, finishing up with this episode here, and we're moving on uh, next uh, to the uh, history, uh, history, uh, nope. The World of Ice and Fire, That's the one. which is which is like the history slash manual slash art book, which is amazing. And we're going to start with uh, the last section there. Um, because of is, course we are. Because of course we are, which is called, Matt, what's that section called again? The Bones and Beyond. The Bones what and it's Beyond. Called. Yeah. Yeah, you know, neither of us were just super interested in covering the world of ice and fire front to back and so as we do we're doing it our way so yeah as one of our blood riders pointed out we kind of covered a lot of it with fire and blood already so right it kind of doesn't make sense to just start from the beginning mm-hmm. but uh yeah so um for this episode here all on the table history song of ice and fire fire and blood all of it's on the table so um there's no spoiler section no davos after dark and I don't think that'll come back for World of uh, World of Ice and Fire either. Yeah, I don't uh, see why it would. Winds is on the way. I can feel it. I can feel the winds blowing. And then we'll get Davos After Dark back, maybe. Things are going to change. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this hasn't changed. We love talking to you. So if you, have, if you want to talk to us at all, just reach out. Guys, we're around. DavosFingers.com. We are DavosFingers at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is Hot Davos Fingers. We're on Facebook, too. And our Patreon program, if you want to learn more about it, maybe join us on one of our little hangy hangs like we uh, 
are having tomorrow or had last week, depending on when you guys listen to this. Um, Patreon.com slash Davos Fingers. Go. Check it out. Yeah. All right. Should we jump right into the episode, Matt? Yes, let's. So um, what did we talk about last time? Well, seasons come and seasons go. But you know what? All in all, there's some hiccups here and there. But Westeros itself has never experienced the stability that it's experiencing right now. You got a conciliatory king and a good queen who are well into their reign at this point and are seasoned leaders. Seems like just yesterday they were just the two little kids sneaking off to Dragonstone to to neck. Um, (laughs) The future of the realm appears bright as well with a gaggle of Targaryen princelings and princesslings waiting in the wings. And a massive project well underway to tie every corner of Westeros together through a network of roads. But, as Ponyboy would quote to Johnny, nothing gold can stay, Scad. So Don goes down today. Nothing gold can stay. Yes. Yes, I know that's Robert Frost. That's for sure a Ponyboy original, I'm sure. Yeah. Robert Frost. Guys, come on. I'm not that dense. I remember seeing that movie when I was a kid and just wanting there to be more of it. Yeah, it's to this day one of my favorite books. And it's like an yeah. it's like an hour and a half read. Yeah, it's over like ninety fast. pages or something. Yeah, it's yeah. not very long at all. But Yeah. I should I should pick that one up again. It's been a long time. Yeah. All right. Well let's just jump all jump on in. The first section here, uh, Matt has called The Kids Are All Right. Are it's, they now? We had some fun with naming conventions in this one. Yeah, you did. We'll talk about a few of them. You want to give me the quote? Yeah, I do. Uh, Vagon is no maester, but he could well have the makings of an archmaester in him. The Citadel is the greatest repository of knowledge in the known world. Send him there. Mayhaps he will find himself in the library. That, or he'll get so lost amongst the books that you never need to concern yourselves with him again. Man, send me to be an Archmaester. Sign me up. Yep. I'll get myself lost in those books. I'll get all up in them. Mm. Mm-hmm. This section starts off with a bang. The birth of Jaehaerys and Alysanne's first grandkid. Also queen of my heart and future potential snubbed heir to the throne, Rhaenys. Jocelyn and Amon's first and only child was born on the seventh day of the seventh moon of 74 AC, and she was badass from the start. Uh, she's fierce, with Baratheon locks and violet Targaryen eyes. Dreamy. The world should take notice, and Alysanne did, calling her our queen-to-be. Balon, of course, as you remember from previous episodes, always following right behind in his brother's footsteps, and he didn't want to get left behind this time either, so he, marrying his sister Alyssa the very next year, and getting right to the pleasantries. He and Alyssa shared their wedding night, and many, many after, uh, as, huh? as they were a lusty pair. Alyssa loved to ride, and not just on Balon. Uh, soon after claiming Balon as her husband, Alyssa claimed Melis as her dragon, the fastest dragon Westeros had ever seen. And while the others grow up and bring boons to the family, Vagon, who Matt just quoted, uh, or, or had the quote about, Vagon grows up and disappoints his parents. So, <laughs> because of course. Because, because nothing gold can stay. Nothing gold can stay. 
<laughs> so this kid, we covered him a little bit in the last of the, uh, in the end of the last episode, but he's still no interest in marriage or girls at all. He delights only in his studies. Uh, but when Maester Elisar is asked if he could be a maester, as the quote says, he had to deny them. He couldn't be taught, be relied upon to reliably set a bone or, you know, could you imagine this sourpuss teaching kids of a noble family or delivering a baby he doesn't care about? Um, but, you know, as the quote indicates, he could maybe be an archmaester. It's more about just the accumulation of knowledge and study and those kinds of things. And if not, yeah, at least he'd be out of sight. So off Vagon is sent. Yes, father. Good. Is the reply he gives with the slightest upturned smile. Mm-hmm. Peace. So, so he's gone. Good, I guess. Hmm. More grandchildren, more heirs. This time from Lusty Balon and Alyssa. Viserys is born, a laughing child that was taken on Malus at nine days old. And he giggled all the while, it said. Shortly after, Alisanne also getting pregnant again. This is Alisanne, Alyssa's mother. At 42 years old, though, it was not to be. Valerion died before reaching his first name day, and Alisanne was pretty pragmatic about it, to be honest. Uh, Jay Harris wasn't so sure uh, that they were done yet, but Alisanne was certain that she was just too old to be doing this anymore. But... Jaehaerys ended up being right, because their next child, Gael, was born in 80 AC, and Maester Elisar spent his this year making sure this Targaryen lived. And so she did. So they put all their energy into making sure this child would survive, and she was frail and a little bit weak, but she made it. So, uh, remember Diella? Diella was the one that was terrified of everything and everyone, even like her own cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, bees, Matt. She's terrified of bees. Well, I'm kind of scared of bees. Yeah, but not like, but like rational fear. Like, yeah, I don't want to get stung. Not like I can't function fear. Yeah. Uh, okay. She's also afraid of boats, summer islanders, mm. um, boys. Every, so the betrothal took some doing. So um, it fails with a young Corliss Valerion, who we'll get to cover a little bit later. Four boys that she'd actually gotten over her fear and become friends with. Uh, Swan, Staunton, Templeton, and Crane. But that all failed, too. One was crazy enough, Matt, to try and kiss her. Oh, my God. Dude. Crazy. Royce Blackwood. They tried to set up a marriage with the Blackwoods. It seemed promising as well. But Diella realized that they don't worship the Seven. Mm-hmm. And then I'll end up in hell. Mm-hmm. So it's not going well. I mean, I, I would label her a racist and bigot, but I know she's just innocent. She just, she's just scared of everything. She's but. just scared of everything. <laughs> and how, how, how does it get that way? I, it's anyway. We'll probably jump into it later. Yeah. Jaharis lays down the law with Alisanne, though. Get her married by the end of the year, or it's the Silent Sisters for Diella. <laughs> this or that. <laughs> As usual, Alisanne balls out, finding several candidates. Boromond Baratheon, big and strong, the image of a Baratheon that you and I uh, know and love. Uh, but, you know, also a Baratheon, so there's that. Uh, Sir Tymon Lannister, rich and near her own age and very handsome, but, you know, also a Lannister, so there's that. Uh, perhaps also a future adulterer and drunk. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, Roderick Aaron, 
Hey. More than double her age, so there's that. But able, just, affable, good-humored, open-handed. Nice he guy. Also, yeah, good guy. He also had four children already, one of which, though, was three years older than Diallo. That's a little awkward. Oh, and he's fat. George always throws that in. The 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 prize the prize always has to be fat. <laughs> so there's that. Anyway, long story short, Diella chooses the fat bald guy with four kids. He seems good and wise. Well, maybe there's something to this Diella girl after all. Yeah. They were married quickly and without much ceremony and no betting. That would terrify mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. And at first, it seemed like a good match. Diella doted on the daughters, and she was happy there in the Vale from you know the letters that she sent. Roderick was good and kind, and Diella just kind of seemed to love it there. And that's kind of the end of the section. What do you think, Matt? Got any thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know. <sighs> what do you even say about Jaharis, man? Well, we got some questions from the Kalasar that will let me delve into that a little bit more. But, fuck, man. Like, is he trying to be an empty nester? Or, like, he thinks they take too much of his time? Like, what's his rush to get these kids out? I know, that I, I know. you know, it's a different world and a different time. And they're used to young marriages and everything. But, like, come on, man. What was Diala? 15, 16? Like... Yeah, I think she was 16. What's the rush, yo? Which is it's just marriage age at that point. But yeah, it's like, so on one hand, you're like, the gods aren't done with us yet, Alison. Let me keep pumping babies into you, even though you're 42 years old and yeah. each one is bringing you closer to death. But on the yeah. other hand, get those kids out of my house or I'm sending them to go be part of a group that that boils the skin off of dead bodies, right? Yeah. Give me a break, man. Chill yeah, out. It, it is it is weird. I mean, you could take it from the religious angle, right? That he feels uh beholden to the gods to to keep producing heirs if that's what they want and yeah. if that's what they intend. Once the gods so, are done, she'll stop getting pregnant. Yeah. Right. And so so maybe there's some of that to it, but yeah, man, I just get clo- I'm, I'm we're probably going to get flack for it, but I just get closer and closer to like Jaharis is a good ruler and a bad dad. No, I'm I, I'm not even close to it. I'm there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> good. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not the. Uh, Far be it I'm from gl- me to judge, but because uh, yeah. I know I've got my shortcomings as a father too. But yeah, it's like it, it's it's all about them as a commodity. Which I realize he's not alone. He's not this unique. Uh, anomaly in westeros of this bad dad you know they all kind of treat their kids like commodities but just the whole thing of it's just he just disregards alisan he disregards the kids and it's like the gods may not be done with us but then when he gets more kids yeah it's ridiculous i mean you know like uh, um this is not in my notes i'm just doing this on the fly here but i feel like we get stories for most of most of these rulers stories with their kids where they're like interacting with them or doing something with them or they take them to do something yeah even hoster tolly with catlin right yeah they had their yeah. special moments and stuff yes yep you get that and 
we get POVs, and so maybe that's helpful to draw some of those stories out. Mm-hmm. But like the only the only kids you get that with for Jaharis, and we get quite a bit, you know, several chapters in here just covering his rule, um, and and whole sections about just his family, basically. And the only stories you really get from him are either with Aemon and Balon, who he does seem to, you know, dote on and give attention to as kind of more like a, this is my responsibility because they're going to rule shit. Right. But the only other stories you get are negative. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Where's the story of, you know, having a tea party with Becerra or something, you know, like, I know he's busy, but. Yeah. But if you're going to take responsibility for all these kids and let the gods give them to you and stuff, then I think that you're taking on that responsibility to be at least sort of present. And and I'll add to, yeah, you're right. I, I agree with you totally. But we get we get a little bit more with Alisanne, right? Uh-huh. Like, it, 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 we don't get the stories. We don't get the tea parties with Alisanne either, but it does at least, the text just kind of throws in little one-liners, like, you know, she was her world, or, you know, she was comforted by her, or you get the sense that Alison is at least spending some time with them. Enough to know the kids. What's implied yes. is that yeah. she she knows their personalities. Whereas mm-hmm. Jaharis will see later in the in this in this uh, coverage of like Sarah, he's like saying this stuff was like, well, she would never do such a thing. You don't even know her, man. Yeah, like right. But, yeah. Um, I was actually going to save this for the the Sarah section, but while we're on the topic of it, I was just watching a interview with the main cast of Shit's Creek. They're doing big. Oh, yeah. They're doing tons of press because the uh, final season is coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, but not to Netflix for a while, <sighs> not right? Not to Netflix. Probably for like, a, it took forever for season five to get on Netflix. So yeah. I'm guessing that we won't see it for a bit. It'll probably be like the fall. Yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed, man. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were talking about how this was a story about family and a family coming together. And, Catherine O'Hare, who plays Moira, the mom, spoke up and she said, no, really? She goes, really? I would contend it's not about a family coming together. It's about four people learning what it is to be a family family. in the first place. They were were all living separate lives. And she said that, you know, it's about these two completely disconnected parents who were completely disconnected from their children who just had kids because that's just what you did is you had kids and then you threw money at them and sent them out into the world. And I was like, this is, I watched this like three days ago as I'm preparing for this episode. And I'm like, Hmm, who does that sound like? Yeah, Totally. You have kids because you're supposed to have kids and then you just send them out there. Here's some money. Go do. <sighs> yes, the That's difference it. being that the shits, uh, not the shits, sorry, the roses, the roses, uh, pulled pulled it together, right? Yes, they did, yeah. And for well, we're about to see, but for this Targaryen clan, they really just fall apart. Um, more and more, yep. More and more. So, um, but on that note, um, Alisande seems to be ready to embrace grandmotherhood. We kind of talked about Jaehaerys not being done yet and following the whims of the gods and such. But you ever did you ever know, Matt, uh, nephews or nieces that were older than their aunts and uncles? Do you have any of those in your family or in your neighborhood? I've known of them, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
You? I had a couple. I I, I played soccer with with a kid who, um, his name was Eli, uh, and he was, uh, he was younger than his. No, let's see. Was he the uncle? He was. He was the uncle, but he was younger. Yeah, isn't that crazy? No, no. Sorry, he was the nephew, but he was older. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, yeah, and you know, not by a lot. It was like a few months. Like they were old enough to play on the same soccer team, right? Um, oh, that's a weird dynamic, man. I've got cousins who are my kids' age. Yeah, I don't have right. like the uncle, nephew, niece thing. So. Right. Yeah. Anyway, Alessand's ready. She's ready to move on. She feels like. You know, that time I think has passed them by. Yeah, she should, man. Yeah. 13 kids or whatever. Gail's number 13, right? I think, yeah, Total? Gail's number 13. Yep. Whew. Yeah. A- am I am I the only one that feels like Balon and Alyssa are relationship goals? Oh, totally. Just I feel... unabashed. Yeah. Completely in love. Always yeah. have been. And then just like, what does she say? Passionate, dedicated. Loves to royal. ride the dude. Yes. Well, he's that a, too. He's a guy I like. I like Balon. Yeah, you don't get enough. Right. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see that a little bit later too. But um, yeah, just kind of uh, working, working our way up uh, with Rayanus, who is born at kind of the top of this chapter mm-hmm. Aemon and um, and Jocelyn's daughter the seed is strong a little reference callback maybe to the oh yeah totally original series yeah getting a, getting those Baratheon genes a Baratheon gene is introduced into the Targaryen line and all of a sudden you got a little black haired kid huh who do thunk? you do well, and Jocelyn herself was too, right? Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, and Jocelyn was. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, Jocelyn was Alyssa's. Yeah, Alyssa's, and she was Valerion. Other Alyssa, but mm-hmm. yeah, other, yeah, other Alyssa, uh, but not other other Elissa. But yeah, there's a lot of them: Elissa Farman, Alyssa Valerion, and now Alyssa Targaryen. Whew. Thanks, George. Thanks Benson. for that. Um. I don't know, you got anything else for this section? Uh, my favorite part was uh, Maester Elisar giving porn to Vega <laughs> to try to get him yes. into girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Text describes it as uh, pictures of men and women coupling or men and women coupling with animals and all sorts of fun stuff. And then it said... What did it say that like Vagon kept the books? He took them, kept the books, (laughs) kept the books, but his behavior didn't change. But nothing changed. Yeah. I can't remember whether he said thank you or something. Puts them under his bed and saves them for later. I mean, (laughs) look, he's a teenage boy. Yep. I'm sure he had needs and desires. He totally was. He's like, I'll take these use the books I, look i get the sense from vagon that he's just he's not interested in all of the garbage that goes along with coupling right it's like i'm not i don't want to spend time doing that i will take care of the urges that i have and that's it and that's it i feel fine now 
I don't want to get it all over my books, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, porn. What an interesting thing. Grab a sock. I, like... It's time to rock. <laughs> <laughs> That's a line I mean, in a song, believe it or not. I I believe I believe it. I Called believe. Playmate of the Year by Zebrahead. Check it out, guys. Zebrahead. I'm not touching that one either. They're they're a fine little '90s uh, rap rock band, and the song's all about uh, getting a. Uh, poor well, I mag. think I figured out what it's about. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> what what you do when you get it. Indeed. That I mean, that's in your faith. That's like a super taboo thing, right? You betcha. Bodies are sacred. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, you I know get me. It, but you know me. I do know you. Uh, I don't know. I I fall. We don't need to dive into porn on this thing. <laughs> Let's move on. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, probably a good idea. Yeah, you have the right to choose, everybody. That's where you, I land on this. That's right, but there's some stuff out there that is that right is taken away. Well, the child trafficking stuff is the stuff that bothers me because of course, there's a lot of as it should. That's all I was really going to say, but repulsive. Yeah. Um. Okay. <sighs> who Who would you choose? Out of Roderick and Boromond and Tymond. Roderick is obviously the right choice. Yeah. Um, it you is know, for her, for sure. I might I might go for the cash and go Tymond. Yeah. I'd just be yeah. like, you know what? You can be unfaithful to me. You can be drunk all the time. I live in one of the greatest, biggest, safest castles in all of Westeros. Yeah. Uh and so you can do whatever you want, man. Just keep the keep the cash flow coming and yeah. let me do my thing. I'll marry yeah. you. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but Corliss would have been an interesting choice as well. I mean, it's not like you've got to go on the boats a lot. No. Just get there once and stay there. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. It's not like the safest place. Um, Who'd you pick? Would you take Tymon, too? I th- either Corliss or Tymon, yeah. 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 Um... Anything else? I think that's all I've got on this one. All right, let's go to the next section. Okay. So that one was called The Kids Are All Right. This one's called Some of the Kids Are All Right. Um, The quote is, She was not old enough or strong enough to bear a child. We ought never have pushed her into marriage. So imagine Jaharis is like has like a he's like visiting a cousin or something who he hasn't seen in a while, and they ask, So how are the kids? Yeah, here we go. Got to tick through them all. <laughs> well, hey, Mons- that's a long. That's maybe something Ooh, you don't bring up when you yeah, go visit because that's a long Jaharis. conversation. Because that's that's like a everyone knows. That's a you give me two sentences, right? Update. Yeah, not a I want to hear about it for a half an hour. When when people ask me that, I'm already like thinking, how do I make this as quick as I can? Yes, because <laughs> I I love to sit and brag about my kids, but I but know they don't want to hear it. If yeah. I ask someone that, I don't want a long diatribe about <laughs> no. their children. No one does. It should. Be, we should just move that conversation to the weather instead of kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's safe. It's shared. It's fine. Well, he answers, Amon's 26 now. Great, great guy. Will be a great king someday. Just named him my master of laws. Uh, Balon. Well, Balon is, uh, he's, he's focusing on his family right now. Um, (laughs) 
family making. <laughs> he and he and Alyssa just had their second little Damon. Oh, and how is uh hey Jay, how is uh Daella, your gallop in the veil? Oh, Daella, well, pregnant and nervous. Uh and so here's the story, Della. She she's pregnant. She requests Alisanne come be with her, and it's an invitation. Alisanne is quick to accept, quick to accept, and there she remains for the rest of Della's pregnancy, which actually ended a whole fortnight early when baby Emma was born after a troubled labor. Yes, that same Emma who we'll find later in Fire and Blood, Mary's Mysterious, Devils After Dark. Tragically. The frail Diella died from complications following the delivery. Um, she was only 18 years old. Mm. Uh, Alisan torn with grief after the loss of another child, especially one so sweet as Diella, cast blame upon nearly everybody, including herself. But most of all, she blamed Jaharis. As the quote indicated at the top of this section, why couldn't he have just let her be a girl a bit longer? You said that too earlier, Scott. Why the rush to marry her off so quickly? All this was but an early look into later marriage disputes between the good queen and the conciliator. Um, Switching gears down south, though, we have Marion Martell, the Prince of Dorne, ever bristling against his father's cowardice during Lord Rogar's war, uh, Morion decided he was going to have a foray into Westeros all his own. His plan, which would later be called the Fourth Dornish War, although it wasn't much of one, um, was his plan was about as dumb as those that came before him. He wanted to conquer the Stormlands by sea. So he goes out and he hires a bunch of cell sales because, as you all may know, Dorne does not have a navy. And he goes on his way. But of course, spies in the Dornish court report back to King Jaehaerys. And of course, the Death Stars are deployed. This time in the form of Vermithor, Caraxes, and Vagar, ridden uh, respectively by Jaehaerys and his boys Amon and Balon, going off to war together. So this Fourth Dornish War was never really a war at all. It's over in a day. Every Dornish ship is sunk. Bormund Baratheon, bless his heart, waiting with his troops on the shores of Cape Wrath, never even had a chance to bloody his sword. And uh, not a single man on uh, the crown's side was lost. Uh, the jubilation following yet another violent display of Targaryen dominance was not to last. For in the next year, Balon's wife, Alyssa, dies. Similar to her sister Diella after giving birth. The babe, a boy named Aegon, did not long survive her. And uh, little Aegon died before his first birthday so tragedy strikes again the loss of not one but two daughters of jaharis and alisan awful sad sked very yeah very and you know they should maybe just stay away from Aegon as a name <laughs> I, I get it You're really the rolling the was, dice the first one was lucky but after that, you've got the uncrowned, murdered, you know, murdered, killed by uh, his uncle, mm-hmm. trying to trying to 
usurp or claim the throne. Um, we've got there. We've got uh, Jaehaerys' first Aegon dead after three days. We've got this Aegon dead at six months. Spoilers for several episodes ago. Uh, you've got Aegon the second and third disastrous reigns, dead reasonably early and not good rulers. You've got in the future, not in Fire and Blood, but the unworthy who was well set up generations of disaster with his behavior. You've got Egg, a bright spot, a brilliant child, and a, a wonderful ruler. You got King Ares' kid, Aegon, died shortly after being born. And you've got Rhaegar's kid, either brained as a baby against a wall or future dragon fodder, depending on what you believe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not that lucky a name. And I'm not really a guy that believes in luck. But <laughs> maybe, maybe move on. My experience... There's no such thing as luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but maybe that's a name that we need to retire. Yeah. I mean, I'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but in that, uh, like you said, Alyssa died. And what you have, and part of why I said relationship goals earlier, is you have Balon ever dedicated. We'll see some of that later. It says, never failed to honor his wife mm -hmm. and loved his two sons. And, uh, Good dude. Yeah. Yep. Good dude. Yeah. Talk more it's like bands. Later. I think we've talked about this before, but it's like bands who like lose a member and just retire instead of like adding another one to keep going. Right. Yeah. Like it's kind of sad, but also it's like, no, man, good on you. Or just like continue without him. Don't even replace him. Just like, well, we don't I'm, have that other guitar player now. And with, with another guitar player, that's okay. It doesn't work too well if you lose your drummer. It's like a drummer or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Led Zeppelin. Uh -huh. Um, man, there's I don't have a ton of notes to talk about in this chapter. It, so much of it is just about Targaryen, the family, and yeah. Targaryen family values. And you know, we can only talk about Jaehaerys and Alysanne's parenting so much. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that Alysanne would zoom over to the veil that is such a mom thing to do right yes. that is something yeah. that would so happen in today's world i don't know did your mother-in-law was she right at uh eowyn's side as as babies were coming and after they came um i mean i don't want to say no to make her seem heartless but i, I don't think she was I, I mean i mean this to be positive she wasn't hovery uh -huh. she was oh, awesome she gave space and like let us handle it and do it but but she was for sure there and interested and involved. And I bet your mom um, was the same way too. It's like if you needed something, like the two of them would be like, "Yes, yes, yes, we'll do it." My mom was more hovery. Really? My my mom for sure was. Well, um, Awen's sister had already had a kid, so there. This was not her parents' first grandchild, and it was this. Yours? This was my parents' first rodeo on the grandchild train. So, uh -huh. um, did I just mix? rodeo and train metaphors anyway um so yeah my mom was a little bit more urgently involved but still not bad not in a bad way i don't think mm -hmm. they, didn't, they weren't suffocating they also live here already so it's not like they had to like come and stay right you know they had their own homes to go to and stuff mm -hmm. um i got a question though about this with alisanne running out there because so she got there I think it says something along the lines of right in time. 
And of course, she, she did give birth two weeks early. But uh, did did Diella just, you know, not send the letter until she was seven and a half months pregnant or something? Or did did Alisan wait to go? Because it took almost nine months for her to get there if she sent it as soon as she knew she was pregnant. Feels feels like she didn't rush right over. Or that the letter was long Delayed. in coming or something like that. Yeah, you're right. I get the impression that they send all of their messages by dragon, but I guess from the veil they wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. I have true. I had no evidence to to the contrary, and I but I just got this sense that like something was fishy. That she was Ooh. like, I'm so happy and everything, and everyone's so nice to me. And then she sends this letter of, I'm so scared. I'm so da, 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 da. And she gets mm. there. She's like, it was, it's fine. It's all fine. And I don't know. I, I'm wondering like if everything really was or fine. Something? Yes. Mm. Like if Roderick's oldest daughter was meaner than she let on even. Or, or Roderick himself. Maybe Roderick himself was... Yeah, just a loser. But I have no. There's no evidence, so I don't know. I just got this sense that like something doesn't feel right. Yeah, you know, if if Diella was a different type of voice, I probably would have felt that more. But because but she's, she's such, so, she's so timid and stuff already, already? that like it feels yeah. like yeah, that's just how she is. And so, but I, I probably but I can see grasping I, at it. Well, I can see what you're saying though. It doesn't feel good. For sure, and mm-hmm. you kind of want to blame something, but yeah. Well, um, in any case, the uh, House Aaron has now been firmly inserted into the Targaryen lineage, which yeah. is kind of cool. As we know, uh, Emma marries Viserys, who is Balon's son, right? Yeah, so they're so cousins. They're cousins. Mm-hmm. They marry. And then from then on, you have uh, you have Aaron blood in this line. So yeah, you know how I feel about the whole blood thing. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yep, you do. Um, so we got Baratheon blood in there. We got Aaron blood in there. Yeah. Um, we got Valerion blood in there. Uh, we're about to get Hightower blood all mixed up in there. Oh dang! Yeah. Alicent, shout out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I fuck Jaharis on this one. We kind of alluded to it before. You know, not it, it the the text says it's not recorded how the king replied. Uh, it's almost like he just crossed her off the list. So yeah, well. Yeah. Well, what road is next? I don't have to include her in my update when the neighbors come calling. Mhm. Jeez. I mean, I know that's callous and I'm sure that's not really how he felt, but it just I don't know. Um, there, there is, there is one thing that isn't just the, 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 the general family updates in here though, Matt, there's one of my favorite wars in Westerosi history. Oh yeah. <laughs> this dude, Morian, the completely, completely against his people's strengths. <laughs> the FDW. Like he doesn't know them yeah. at all. Oh my like that, that's the thing that keeps Dorne alive, right? Is they know what they're good at. And they mm-hmm. don't go outside of that box. Yeah, you you don't go on the offensive. You yeah. let them come to you. Yeah. Uh, and you stay off of the friggin' water. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> and his goal is so ill-defined as well. I'm sure yeah, Sir Buck can tell us how many there. castles are on Cape Wrath, but, but like there's not hundreds. There's not a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't put it in my summary, uh, those of you who aren't reading along, but he said basically that even if he can't conquer the Stormlands, he's going to conquer hundreds of castles along Cape Wrath, which there's probably a dozen. I don't know. I mean, and how about these pirates and cell sales? This is something that always bothers me. Also a mistake. Well... Yeah, yeah. Also a mistake from Morian's part, but a mistake on their part. It's almost like George just uses these guys as a crutch whenever someone needs more men. Mm-hmm. But like, how dumb are these people? They've got to see this for what it is, right? Oh yeah. Well, like I feel like every pirate ship needs some sort of like um, risk analysis guy, some a risk analyst on every boat. That's like uh, turn this one down, maybe. Right. It's not the, worth what we would get paid. This has no chance of, of succeeding. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're taking off from Sunspear, not as 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 the Great Castle of Westeros says, you know, the coast of Dorne and the, the people of Dorne, not sailors like you said, Matt, and trying to go into Cape Wrath and into the Stormlands, like known for their storms and for their difficult coasts and stuff. Like, what are you thinking? This is it's not a good plan. It's not not good. Yeah. It says they, you know, they tried to arm their ships with, you know, large spear launchers and stuff like that to hopefully take down the dragon, but Yeah, a piece of Dornish history that Morian did remember, right? With Maraxes right. being pulled from the sky by a scorpion bolt. Mm. But uh, yeah. Pluck. Itch yits. Yeah. Shall we move on to a question from our Blood Rider? Let's move on to our question from Julie. Blood Rider Julie. One of our favorite Blood Riders. Scab, what's the biggest foreshadowing takeaway you've gotten from Fire and Blood? Uh, Something that's foreshadowed the main series. So I wrote a little bit on this. Um, So sometimes I ask why write Fire and Blood at all? Like, why did you like money? Right. Um, you know, obviously that's an answer. One of the, one of my favorite quotes from any movie anywhere. And I've probably used it before. What is the answer to 99 out of a hundred questions? Money. So probably George wrote it for money, but besides money, he has to be trying to do something to add to the main series, to build themes, to tie things back to it, to maybe to troll us a little bit too. I guess he likes to do that, but a storyteller like George, I just, I think he's trying to show us more about how his world works and behaves. Mm-hmm. And the lesson I personally take away from Fire and Blood the most, the, I don't know if you call it a theme, but is that Targaryens suck. <laughs> Honestly, that's the theme of, that I get from Fire and Blood. They're arrogant nutbags that should not be in charge. The majority of them care hardly at all about the realm at large or about the small folk of the people in general. The dragons themselves create such a shift in power that, you know, not unlike, as we've alluded to a lot, not unlike Palpatine's going for to try to scare the realm into obedience. And that's just no way to live. And and so tying that back to the main series uh, and foreshadowing, Danny and her dragons have to die. Which is too bad, because Danny herself I like. She's one of the better eggs, I think. 
uh, if she could stave off the madness, which is certainly foreshadowed a little bit that it's, you know, in there and maybe taking over. But, you know, I, I think she's got a shot um, or would have a shot. Um, and in addition to that, you know, the others feel like a force as well, potentially to counteract the Targaryens and their dragons. Uh, and this force for what I consider is not good for Westeros at large as Targaryen mm-hmm. rule. As evidenced by Silverwing not wanting to fly beyond the wall, others are there to kind of maybe balance it. This is a story, you know, a song of ice and fire. This is a story about balance. And I think George is telling us with fire and blood that the Targaryens bring a rule that is not balanced and needs to be adjusted. Look at us. You taking words out of my mouth. Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Balance for sure. (laughs) No, don't apologize. It's great. It's kind of cool. Um, very good thoughts. I like it, especially what you're saying about, uh, George trying to really emphasize and strengthen themes from the main series with what's going on in this book. Uh, and I like it too. We mentioned maybe an episode or two ago, how fun it's going to be to once we have the whole series, because we will have it. I'm optimistic someday mm-hmm. uh to go back and read fire and blood and find all the little tidbits that we are not picking up on right now um that'll be a lot of fun for me but the biggest foreshadowing for me is is also i was going to say the balance this this isn't a story about good versus evil it's a story about balance and finding the a continuum uh not a continuum but just this g-spot yeah the the g-spot finding the g-spot of (laughs) (laughs) of a way for everyone to to live and let live and 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 i can't think of a better word than balance so that's just what i'm going to go with um so so obviously the most delicious bit of specific foreshadowing to me in terms of finding that balance is uh, the Alisan and Silverwing at the wall as well. So I've really liked that as well because it shows us we have such an imbalance of power, as you said, with the dragons. So far, you deploy the Death Stars and the battle's over in a matter of hours. Uh, There's just no chance. So to finally find something to check that power and have that balance, and it's just a little tidbit of saying that the dragon didn't like flying beyond the wall but it gives you enough to know that there is something out there that can help even out the scales a little bit. And uh, that's what I like. Yeah. Cool. So, cool. Cool. I'm with you there. Julie, thanks for the question. Yep. See you at Ice and Fire Con in a matter of months. It's getting real close. It is. Okay. Uh, what a girl wants. What a girl wants. What a girl needs. Mm, you got it. The quote for What a Girl Wants is from Christina Aguilar. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Have you given one of these boys your maiden head? Tell me true. No, I gave it to all three. They all think they were the first. Boys are such silly fools. Ugh, we are. Yes. We really are. No denying it. Yeah. So this is like... Family time, family time, family time in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this time it's, you know, we're just talking about balance. There's bad news and there's good news. Well, this time it's bad news. Marie, Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn. 
Uh, in this section, we're going to learn about Sarah and how batshit crazy she was, and maybe how not to handle it, okay? So, Sarah was born after Diella, the one we just heard about dying in childbirth. Uh, she was the exact opposite. Voracious in every way. She wanted everything, and then she wanted more of everything, especially attention. And to some degree, perhaps, she suffered a bit from an early environment where she didn't get the attention she needed. We talked about that yep. before. Yep. Jahara Snellison, maybe not giving them what they really needed to thrive. Um, uh, so, you know, maybe she didn't really grow into the proper young woman she should have because she lacked that attention. Um, watching my favorite thing in the world, Critical Role, this week, there's a, a character that's going through something similar. She, she rebelled at a young age simply because she didn't really get the development she needed from her parents. Huh. But um, anyway... Um, she kind of turned into, anyway, spoiled brat a little bit, and a criminal. But anyway, uh, whatever the case, whatever the cause, the result was an entitled, spoiled Sarah. She's a brat. She did everything she could to get attention. She terrorized her terrified sister, Diella. She played pranks like dyeing all the white cloaks of the Kingsguard pink, stealing wine and ale. That's a pretty good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is a pretty good one. And reasonably harmless on the list, right? But uh, stealing wine and ale and showing up drunk to church. Uh, her behavior was so bad it led one septa to remark, she is an evil child. Sarah was liked by her brothers, easily manipulated her father uh, into getting really whatever she wanted. But Daddy. she did not as easily... Yeah. Daddy, please. Daddy. Alexis. But, yes. That's what we were going for. Uh -huh. That's what I was going for. I assume that's what you were going for. Yep. Uh, but she could not as easily deceive Alisanne. And was misliked by her sisters. Um, but, but but really, this is all just kind of an annoyance. Jaharis probably just shrugged it off and said, bring it to me when, when it's something important. I got roads over here, right? Of course. But, so it's just kind of an annoyance. They, they kind of probably figured she would grow out of these things. She'll find a husband. The situation would sort itself out. Definitely. Surely. <laughs> Most likely. Maybe. I mean, it always does, right? Right. Always. Things just take care of themselves. They're just kids. Do anything. So, so Sarah wasn't really content with that path. She was drawn to the boys and could wrap them around her finger with ease and she loved the attention. By 15, she had moved on from the idea of marriage to a single man and instead wanted to tease and play with as many boys as possible. She focused her attention early on three. Jonah Mouton, Red Roy Connington, and Braxton Beesbury. Together with two other young uh, maids that were friends of hers, Perry Ann Moore and Alice Turnberry, the six of them would do everything together. And by everything, I mean everything. I mean Everything. Six. But I'm coming too quickly or moving, moving too quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, my apologies will back up. Um, Alice Ann was a little worried about this troop and warned Jaharis, but he was unconcerned. What could happen? They're just kids. Jaharis, let Uncle Scad tell you what can happen, you jackass. It is not as if Sarah were ever alone with any of them. That was yeah, his quote. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah's japes got serious. It all came under the microscope with a specific teasing of Tom Turnip, who was a half-wit fool, uh, an entertainer there. The troop really wanted to see him have an, ex have an experience with a prostitute. 
The scene became Tom not knowing what was going on, trying to escape what he thought was danger from a bunch of naked sex workers while everyone chased him and laughed at his expense. It's not a good look, right? And not not kind. Very no. cruel. Yeah. So the three lads who were really running this show were rounded up, but remained loyal to Sarah, even though it was her idea. Uh, they didn't implicate her in the caper at all. But Alice Sand saw right through it, and she went quietly and without great threat just to talk to the other two girls. Not to Sarah, just to Perry Ann and, and Alice. Uh, not Alyssa or Elissa or Alyssa, but Alice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So she woke them up from their sleep in the middle of the night, told them the boys were in the black cells, and said nothing else. And listened. <laughs> and the girls confessed to something else entirely. Sarah had encouraged organized and saw through what was essentially a little sex club not just good friends they all taught each other how to kiss at sarah's urging then they invited the boys to teach them how to kiss then kissing became more than kissing and before long they'd all be fucking they kept the servants waiting outside and beesbury the stinger threatened to remove the tongues of any that talked alice as a result of all this is with child Squires and maids were called in to confirm this with Jaharis and Alisand to the throne room after Alisand was done interviewing the girls, and they did confirm it. So in the morning, I guess it was nice of them to wait till the morning, I don't know. In the morning, they called Sarah, and in a Trumpian move, acted as nothing was wrong with what she, she, she acted as if nothing was what? wrong with what she had done. Yeah. It must have been so funny, Turnip, dancing with the whores. Jaharis was not amused. Allison wasted no time, though. There are other matters that concern me more. Are you aware that Alice Turnberry is with child? She played it well, but really it all unraveled pretty fast from there. Oh, man. She went from denial to dismissal to quibbling to contrition to accusation to justification to defiance in the space of an hour. In a really brilliantly written (laughs) monologue. I thought about reading it, but it's so long and so spastic that I, I thought it would be lost. You but just don't have the energy for it. <laughs> well, I got plenty of energy. Uh, if you're asking me to act, I can do it whenever. But I just didn't think it would translate well for our listeners. It's but pretty delightful. Go find you it, should, guys. <laughs> you should go read it. The way the way her brain... You can almost just feel it as a, a flow of consciousness argument where they uh-huh. just sit there and listen to her go through these things and hardly even raise a word themselves as she just works through all of this. Uh-huh. But even Sarah, after this long, drawn-out uh, shifting of blame and denial and dismissal and all of these things, even she couldn't resist from one caustic response to a heartfelt question from her father about whether she had given one of these boys her maidenhead. As Matt quoted above, no, I gave it to all three. Sarah's solution to the problem, of course, was just to marry all three of them. Why not all three? Why should I have just one husband? The Conqueror had two wives. Magor had six or eight. Whoa. Who, who'd you say? Magor, Matt. Oh, She's comparing boy. herself to Magor. Apparently she, she went to family history class, at don't, least. Don't do that. Jaharis. You would compare yourself to Magor? Is that who you aspire to be? He sent her to her room until further notice. Sarah tried her tricks at manipulating her father, but to no avail this time. She was dragged from the hall, kicking and screaming by members of the king's guard. And that's the end of that section. Magor is a touchy subject with old King Jaehaerys. 
Yeah, why do you think? Well, let's tick off some things there. Uh, Magor killed his brother, Aegon, in battle. Then he yep. tortured to death his other brother, Viserys. Um, Jaehaerys himself, with his mother, was constantly on the run during Magor's reign, often running for their lives. Uh, Magor also forced his sister married Jaehaerys' sister. Yep. yep. Um, at which point Jaehaerys was officially disinherited. Yep. Um, in favor of Reyna's daughter, which is Arya. Um, so, you know, there's a couple reasons for him to. And, and not even just accepting all the regular shit that Magor did, like murdering people. Just being an awful human being. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Does yeah. it qualify as a human being? <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, suffice to say, uh, Jaehaerys is not happy about it. Mm-hmm. It takes two, though, Matt. Or three, in this case. Mm. Or, a whole, or a whole village, maybe. Mm. I think to screw up this bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, with Sarah in general, you mean? Yeah, I, I, it's. I mean, look, my kids are not teenagers yet, and God, I hope this what I'm about to say doesn't come bite me in the ass in some karmic way because then I'll have to start believing in karma. But it takes what I think is some pretty willful ignorance and being blind to the behavior of your kids to let things get this far before you're interceding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or is it a sense of, I can see that, as well as a sense of, it's just a thing. She'll get through it. She'll be fine. Kids go through this. Yeah, but, but there are, there are, yeah, yeah, it's true. And I say before, too, like, what's the rush? Give Dial a time to, Mm -hmm. you know, so I guess I can't have it both ways. Give them time to figure it out or jump in and intercede and make something happen. No, right, but maybe I can't have it both ways. And that's the hard part about being a parent, though, is determining when to do that. And maybe with Jaharis, it's like he's so good at everything else. He's so good at running the kingdom. Like I said in my summary, he is a seasoned king at this point. Things yeah. are flowing nicely for him. Parenting, though. Ugh, that yeah. gives me heartburn. You <laughs> as know? you say in your song, and as we talked about, I think, in the last episode, we all got things and blind spots. and Right, yeah. And, hey, know, thanks for the shout-out. Sure, um, absolutely. <laughs> um, if, if you haven't yet asked Matt for his music, um, and you meant to, this is your reminder, do so, because it's good stuff. <laughs> if you go um, to the show notes from episode 93 at com, I also just included a link there to soundcloud that has it fresh music so i don't know i just i feel like there's some pretty negligent parenting and not just from jay harris on this one either alisanne knows there's something wrong mm-hmm. and doesn't do enough right brings it to jay harris and you know he kind of brushes it off and she doesn't i don't think that do enough either right and i feel like maybe like um, well, you've got Amon and, and Balon, who it seems like, I mean, they were boys, right? They'd beat each mm-hmm. other up in the yard and stuff and, and do things that the boys will do or whatever. Yeah. But I never got the sense that any of them were like petulant or problem yeah. children. And yeah. Majel was Majel and Daella was Daella and Alyssa was a handful, but she was never like, 
scheming or well she was more like the boys she was kind of just another of the boys yeah wrestling around in the yard and everything and then Daenerys died young and then you get Sarah and it's like what do we do and we're not young parents anymore full of vitality and youth and ready to tackle things we're tired and we're embroiled in all these different other activities and stuff like that they're not that old though at this point right I mean, they're not even they're not even forty, are they? I mean, but they've lived some hard years. They if, have, yeah, that's true. Is this where is is, is this? Uh, are we moving chronologically? I don't know that we are. Is Alisan already at that forty-two mark that we mentioned earlier in the chapter? Because mm, yeah, sometimes probably. it jumps around, it goes back and forth, right? So yeah, it does. But I mean, uh, that's uh, Sarah. I don't have the list here of. Actually, I do have the list, I think. Sarah's like in the bottom half of kids. Let's see, one, two, She's three, right there four, near the middle, though. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. She's number nine. Oh, is she really? And well, if you of of the living kids, she's like number seven. But because uh, you had Aegon oh, yeah. and Daenerys were the first two. Right. But it's like, man, if you're gonna get the hard one out of the way, you kinda wanna get them out of the way first, not at number nine. Well, but but she's the hard one. So I don't want to I don't want to excuse her from blame because obviously she's. Yes, I know you, what you're getting. You at. have go ahead. You have to take responsibility for your actions, even as a kid, to some yep. degree. Yeah. But she was a hard one because because she was number nine. Job. Yes. <laughs> right. And so it, it's all it's circular. A little yeah, bit, it but... totally is. I totally agree. Yeah. Yep, she's yeah. the hard one because she was. And if she she's one of those kids that if they had Disney Channel back then, she probably would have been raised on it. So, <sighs> yep, I was. No, not really. <laughs> Disney Channel was different when we were kids. It really I was. was. I mean, like it was Disney cartoons is what I was raised on. It wasn't any of this Descendants bullshit. I didn't. I didn't watch Wizards Disney of fucking Channel. Waverly Place. Yeah, I was a Nickelodeon kid. Ren and Stimpy, oh, Rugrats. Really? I never got into Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. Like I always, uh, I don't have a high tolerance for like gross stuff. Oh. Anytime, anytime, and Red and Stimpy. Anytime and they'd Stimpy like zoom that. in, yeah. Anytime they'd like zoom in, it'd be like boogers and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck uh-huh. is this? Yeah, totally. get off of my TV. Totally. Yeah, I was not a fan. But I liked the voices. The acting was fun. But um, <laughs> I yeah. do voices. Uh oh man, it would have been it would have been great to see Sarah's face though when Alisand busted out the There are other matters that concern me more. <laughs> I would have just loved to see her face. I mean she probably played it off pretty well. She's good at that stuff, but Right. There was there'd be that little hint of it, right? Yeah. Um freaking Jaharis. Here he goes again. So he puts all the squires, grooms, maids that were all involved in this. What does he do with them? He throws them in the dungeon. Yeah. He throws them in the dungeon, Scott. Because, I mean, of course. Because, because it's their fault. Yep. It's definitely not yours. Honestly, though, I like. Nothing more to yeah. say about that. Well, I just, I, well, I think we, I think sometimes I at least come off like this know-it-all about parenting. And I'm, I've said also before that I'm not, I don't think I'm sure a great parent. I'm. I, I get the job done and I'm okay, but I'm not great. Hey, we're and trying. I'm trying, yeah. But I'm not patient and I have a temper and I'm far from perfect. And I say this 
as a very fearful father of two boys who might, you know, I try to teach self-respect and boundaries and consent to all the time, but this terrifies me. My, my biggest worry is that with my boys, I will try to build these relationships up and because of my flaws that I'm not seemingly able to overcome, I will end up with two boys that just resent me and I don't have a good relationship with them and, and they don't listen to me and they don't really care what I have to say when they get to their early teen years and that I can't actually correct this type of behavior that it'll get too the Jaharis. Yeah. yeah, it'll get too far away and, and by then it'll be too late. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird thing, time, because you're like, you have so much time to fix that. And it's like, yeah, but Mary's almost eight already. Mm-hmm. And he was born yesterday. And time just kind of creeps up on you. And you don't see how the relationships sour as you get there. And so while I've been attacking Jaharis and Alisan, like, they got a realm to rule, and it's time slips away, and they got their other kids that are teaching to rule the kingdom, and they got grandkids, and they're just it just slips away, and it terrifies me because it is so easy for something like this to happen with Sarah, I think. With her ringleading all of this. All it takes nowadays is a little curiosity, a couple videos found online, and you're there. Yeah. Don't give and your if you're kids not... phones. <laughs> people. Yeah. If you're if you're not engaged, like it can slip away so quickly mm-hmm. and get way too far. Yep. And so it terrifies me. So don't think that I'm just sitting here judging Jaharis and thinking how great I am because it is honestly, it's my biggest fear. Have you seen these two, these, these things on Facebook now? Uh, several of my friends are sharing it around with the, the jars of fears. Mm-mm. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Well, it'll probably show up on your timeline somewhere, but it's, it's basically jars of fears and there's like, I don't know, 25 jars or something with like things labeled on them of like common fears, spiders and fear of dying alone and fear of losing someone you love and all these different fears. And you basically take it and you color in the ones that you have. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the one that's like fear of being out of touch with my children. And it's probably my biggest one. That's definitely around my kids. Yep. Yep. That my negative attributes will outweigh my positive attributes, Mm. both in what they get from me and how they think of me. For sure. Yeah. I think you've said that before. And I listened to you say it. I'm like, how is that possible with you? Because you seem so, I don't know, man. You seem like such a good dude. Got it together. Well, well. you haven't seen me when I've gotten a couple drinks in me. <laughs> no one has. <laughs> hey, Kalasar, November 3rd of last year was my last Mountain Dew. Still haven't had one. Good job, man. I haven't had a soda. Not just Mountain Dew, but no soda. Wow. Cold turkey, and I'm still going. And I've stopped stopped hating my life uh, (laughs) in the past couple weeks. It was a a good solid month and a half that I really didn't like living. Wow. (sighs) That sucks. But I'm to the point now where I don't I don't have hankerings for soda anymore. It's cool. Oh, I I don't great. even I don't even like want one. So that's great. And now I'm scared to death to drink one though, because when I do, I know it'll be all over. You'll you'll just slip right back in. I'll just go right back into it. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, I don't have a ton else. I just wanted to throw out something that. Eowyn always, because Eowyn's a high school teacher and she teaches mm. teenage girls all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it just made me laugh that they say that Sarah was misliked by her sisters. 
because now I can't get away with saying this as a you know as a white male, but Aowen says all the time, girls are the worst. They're just <laughs> so mean to each other, and I can just imagine the Sarah sisters just like hating her. Mm-hmm. Just like back the and just all of these girls just stabbing each other in the back and. Uh, Targaryen family values, man. Sounds like a mess. And what's sad about Sarah is they is the text points out how intelligent she is, how clever she is, strong spirited, charming. Yep, yep. And it's like, man, if she could have gotten that attention, that structure, and and everything, and and pointed those natural strengths in the right direction. Yeah, sounds what, a lot what? like her mom. There sounds a lot like Alisan. Yeah. What could have been? Mm-hmm. That's a common another, another Targaryen theme. Yep. Yeah. What could have been? You got okay. more? Or should we move on to our next question? Uh, actually, is it a question or is it? Are we just oh, this is where I was going to throw in Gene's second, second question. Okay. Yes. Let's do it. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we got a we got two questions from Blood Rider Gene. Thanks, Gene. Uh, what was your favorite and least favorite thing about the Mandalorian and what do you hope to see next season? So one of them, one of them is, is of my favorite things is the music. I found the music in the show to be so good. And I'm not mm. like, I enjoy music, but I'm not usually like a big score guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not a guy that's like, the score was masterful. I'm not usually thinking about that. If it compliments it, I sometimes notice, but usually it's a background thing and it's a plus for me if it just helps me without me noticing it. Right. Um, but what I really like is the gunslinger vibe and how it fits in star Wars. Um, I wasn't sure how well it would work, uh, but I'm, I'm really liking it. I'm a big fan of firefly and that's like a, a space Western. And I really like how this is kind of fit together. Um, I dislike the thing that I did. People can hate this. I dislike the crutch that the creature of Yoda's species has become for the show. Hmm. It's almost like the crutch. <laughs> I don't know why this is the comparison that my brain just went to. It's almost like the the mailman in Pee Wee's Playhouse, like uh, who was Larry Fishburne, if you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But you're just kind of like waiting for these things to happen. It's like, okay, baby Yoda's going to have his moment in the episode. What's it going to be? Everybody's mm, waiting for okay. it. Cute little baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. And I, I like baby Yoda too. I want him to be awesome and do stuff. But like, it just felt like a crutch that the show used too much uh, toward the, especially toward the, the end episodes. And so I'd like to see them get to a purpose and not rely on it so much. That's what I'd like to see next season. Yeah. I hope they get to that because it's pretty fascinating. The places they could go with a creature yes. like that. Yes. And absolutely. and they did use him for this whole first season, basically for the awe factor. Yes. I mean, and to give Mandalor- Mando a purpose. And Motivation. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's and not all that works. his own character yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does work. Right. It does work. It's It's well done within that. But I can see you, what you're saying, with wanting to see some more depth to that and, and give it a purpose and everything. Um, yeah. Is that it? Is that what you liked? Well, I also, I'll, I'll just drop this in. I can't okay. believe I'm saying this, but I liked that it wasn't binge, bingeable. 
that you had i kind of had to wait that i had to wait a little anticipation bit. Yeah, yeah it became like an event we've gotten so used now to yeah to just whenever i wanted i'm taking it mm-hmm. and having to wait was kind of interesting no you gotta wait till thursday night or whatever it was i don't remember yeah. it's kind of old school right that you yeah when you'd wait for your favorite tv shows to come on yep and it was kind of an event back then cool good thoughts um my favorite parts of the mandalorian were uh cara dune's arms <laughs> uh you'll have to remind me i mean i know that they're impressively large do they have tat- do they have your your weakness uh, uh she, she did have some tats she yeah. did have some tats and it wasn't even like they were overly large just perfectly toned and yeah if you didn't know calisar matt has a a weakness for tattoos yeah like sleeve like tattoos not just yeah. like one or two i like like a full sleeve down to your wrist mm, daddy um <laughs> anyways I'm, no <laughs> i'm more of a strategically placed kind of guy <laughs> or not at all lower it's back not like a, it's not like a requirement um no but i also just liked the the feel of the mandalorian i like that I like what one of the things I like that Disney's done. There's a few things I haven't liked, obviously, but one of the things I have liked that they have done is exploring other genres within the world, within the universe of Star Wars. Right? I loved how Rogue One was <clears throat> had this feeling of almost like at times like an old time war movie and stuff for that mm-hmm. last bit of it. Uh, you had Solo, which kind of felt like this caper almost like mm-hmm. a ocean's 11 type feel to it at, at parts and then now this with kind of the western vibe and it's just a really fun fun lenses to look at the star wars universe uh and i've yeah it's it's been great and it totally works it totally works i never would have thought in a million years when i was little 11 year old me reading my expanded universe novels that one day we would get a story about a Mandalorian bounty hunter set to like a gunslinger yeah. feel. It's just so cool. So on cool that, and original. On that note about the genres too, you even get within that gunslinger genre, you even got like the jailbreak show, that episode where they were like breaking the guy mm-hmm. out of jail, which yeah, was totally. cool. Yeah. yeah. Little sub things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yep. Oh, I want to go back and watch the Mandalorian now. Thanks, Gene. <laughs> now I will binge it. <laughs> yeah, now you can. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Um Sarah Sarah. This section's called Sarah Calling from a Hotel. I just it's a song by Craig Finn. There's one called Sarah Calling from a Hotel. Really oh. beautiful, pretty song. Uh and that's just what I thought of, so that's what I called it. And who is Craig Finn, Matt? Just to try to up their sales. Uh, I've talked about him enough that I think people are sick of hearing about him. Um, He is the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, The Hold Steady, who uh, is the guy just spits out music like he breathes. Um, He's released a series of solo albums that are a little more toned down than his work with The Hold Steady, acoustic mostly, and uh, very beautiful. I highly recommend. Look up Sarah Calling from a Hotel. Cool story with a little twist at the end. I will do it while my recording is uploading tonight. You should. Yep. Yep. Um, the quote for this one. They've made our daughter into a whore, Alice Ann said. 
She always was, the king replied. Oh, jeez. Oh, so continuing where Scad left off, what to do with Sarah and her squad? Jaharis was pissed, taking the hardline approach and even going so far as to declare, she is no longer my daughter. Alisan was not quite as intractable, urging forgiveness, an opportunity for redemption. You know, some of that conciliation skill that you are apparently so good at. Maybe use it on your daughter and everything. Maybe, bud. Um, Jaharis, you know, you may have even been moved by her words had frickin' Sarah not bolted. I mean, the very night that they're sitting there deciding her fate... That sneaky minx slips away in disguise and was caught trying to enter the dragon pit. The dragon pit. Good lord. Jaharis was done. Had Sarah locked in a cell, guarded day and night. In the meantime, they quickly marry off all her squad or send them into exile, with the harshest punishment being reserved for Braxton Beesbury, who was to experience what basically amounted to the pain from the movie The Princess Bride. Um, He's going to lose his tongue, his nose, broken arms and legs, unless he elected for trial by combat. That seems like a decent alternative, and he goes that route, saying, Which of these old men do you mean for me to fight? Referring to the Seven Kingsguard. And then in a cool moment, we've kind of bashed on Jaharis this episode, but this was cool. He always has a flair for the dramatic. This old man, replied Jaharis, the one whose daughter you seduced and despoiled. Whew. So yeah. uh, Jaharis versus Beesberry. Anyone care to guess who won that little foray? Nailed it. Uh, Stinger chose a morning star, and Jaharis was more than happy to take every blow on his shield and let the younger fighter tire himself out before going on the offensive with Blackfire. They say Stinger took half a dozen wounds before Jaharis put his sword through his eye, all while Sarah was forced to watch. And it wasn't long after that Sarah was given over to the faith. Barth, Jaharis' BFF, contends that it was meant simply to be a punishment. Like Sarah would go spend a couple years in prayer, harsh discipline, before, you know, returning to her family humbled and redeemed. And Sarah did endure it for about a year and a half, it says, before fleeing in the dead of night to the docks to make her way, not to Old Town, not to any of her old friends, and not back to King's Landing, but to Lease where she was found a year later in a pleasure garden. A pleasure garden, that's just uh, where it smells really good, right? Yep, that's exactly it. Um, you go for a little stroll in the evening time. You've got you beautiful... Crickets, the sound of crickets. Aromatherapy. Uh, you grow all sorts of herbs and spices. And and if, if the Lysenia aren't in the middle of the war, they usually have like a, a nice concert series. Yeah, they've got a little uh, amphitheater there, if I'm not mistaken. Really natural one, set up on a hill. And... It sounds lovely. I can't blame I can't blame Sarah for going there. It's probably yeah. just the peace and development she needed. That kind of artistic. Yeah. Guys, it's uh, it's 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 a place of it's a pleasure house. Yep, sex. Sex happens there. Yep, comfort. Oh gosh. Um, Do we drag year... it out too long? 
Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was so. dead a long time ago. <laughs> uh, just as a note, where we're at in time, it's 85 AC. Jaharis hits the big 5-0. Congrats, King J. Old by Targaryen standards, eh? Uh, the years had been hard, and he was getting more worn down as each one passed, but you know what? He had roads to finish. That's the end of that section. Yeah, where we're going, we need roads. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, what to say? Uh, hmm. So even after all that, Alisan is going to is going to still fight for Sarah mm-hmm. and try to get try to get Jaharis to forgive her. And Sarah is such a such a pill that she can't even wait like she can't a night even do it, man. before she has to go out and escape. Uh would have been so okay impulsive. That. It's crazy. It's crazy. I think it would have been okay. I mean, I don't know if it would have been okay in the long run. I think she would have gotten some forgiveness immediately. Not immediately, but right in and short in short order. She would have be- blown it up again. The behavior never would have changed, yeah. Probably not. Oh boy. Yep. Uh in in the critical role, so it's spoilers a little bit, but it won't be by the time this episode comes out. Anyway, in critical role, the guy sends his daughter off basically to kind of like a military school. Right, which is not that different than what's going on here. He's sending her off to the faith to just be like managed, right? Yeah, basically. <clears throat> yeah. Yep, more for her than anything. Which Yeah. I wonder if right. I wonder if she had gotten in if Balerion would have eaten her. <laughs> Probably would have loved her. Yeah, um, would she have It did make me think, though, like, you know, that she's going to go in there and try to claim a dragon. Because remember a couple episodes where we, go, we were talking about the Shivers, and there was the incident, you know, the incident where Daenerys caught it, and um, and Jay Harris realized too late she needs a, an egg. She needs a dragon egg. Like, like, why didn't they... Why, why doesn't Sarah already have a dragon egg? in her cradle like with her yeah we don't really get stories of that happening at all it, and maybe it seems, it's assumed that it does but yeah well well the way jaharis, jaharis talks about it it almost sounds like he came to some sort of epiphany like uh-huh. oh that's important so why don't we start doing that yeah because sarah doesn't saying. have one it just kind of surprised me it seems yeah maybe i just misread what george meant by that whole scene with the shivers because all the other dragons kids egg. had to go and claim dragons too, so yeah, and they all came after Daenerys as well. So yeah. yeah, he obviously didn't stick to that, yeah, or didn't think to so do he, it. So he only thought it was related to disease and stuff, like the the magic, maybe the disease. Now I'm know. now I'm trying to remember when that tradition started. I feel like that was after this that they started putting eggs in in with the dragons. Or eggs well, in with the kids, wasn't it? Well, Rayana did it, right? Right. Or they did it with <sighs> Rayana. Yes. Which one was it? Was it Rayana that put the Rayana, eggs in her? No, I think Rayana and Aegon both had eggs in their in their cribs. 
Gotcha. I'm trying to remember. No, did I say Anis? I meant Ray. I meant Rayana and Aegon, mm-hmm. the Uncrowned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now we'll have to go look. Sorry, Kalisa. Yeah. Boy. Poof. <laughs> but I us. feel like it's definitely been done before now. But maybe it wasn't like a constant thing. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Jaharis had to have that idea from somewhere mm-hmm. for wanting to send for one. I think Rayana did it, or it, it was done for Rayana, and maybe for Jaharis himself. Uh, like you said, a ballsy from Jaharis to take the duel himself, pretty badass. He's 56 years old when that happens, I think. 50. 50. Yeah. Well, I miscounted somehow. Um, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a dumb choice. <laughs> I, I mean, even later in this chapter... Two, pa- two pages later, and less than a year, they're calling him the old king, and he indicates he won't be fighting anymore, just focusing on roads. So, like, I don't think he's feeling great at this point. Yeah. So he must have been pretty angry. The years pass quickly in these chapters yes, for Jaharis. Time flies, but yeah. you're right. He He's not the young spry buck that he was. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of it was... Uh, he felt personally slighted by this. Yeah. And, uh, and also that's just, he, I think there was a quiet confidence to him when it came to, to battle with all the training that he did as a younger, as yeah. a younger dude that he knew he could do it. So he must've kept that up though, too. Oh, I mean, for they sure. Don't talk about it. Yeah. He, he must've kept that up as he grew older. Yep. Stay sharp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did look up morning stars because I always, as a youth, I always really liked the idea of a morning stars, uh, which I, I think a lot of people have this misconception, but a morning star is actually just a stick with a spike on the end, with 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 a spiked ball on the end. Mm-hmm. Um, a flail is what I used to think a morning star is with the chain, with the chain and the ball, the spiked ball at the end of the chain. That's a flail. The morning star is just a mace with spikes on it. Hmm. And I read a little bit about it and the flail, that that type of flail for battle usage was like a lot of people think it's actually just a myth. It doesn't mechanically make sense for battle. It's because seems you don't like have really hard. You don't really have control of the chain, right? Yep, like once exactly. it's swinging, you can't stop it and like when it hits something hard, it's going to deflect back and like maybe brain you mm-hmm. like you can't control the ricochet and stuff. Yeah. And so a lot, like a lot of like weapon historians think it's a myth that it was even used, but it shows up in art and stuff. So All the time it's a sexy, yeah. it's a sexy, uh, it's a sexy weapon, but I mean, it shows up in old art, mm-hmm. like, like old, old timey paintings with like the halos, you know, that were drawn like circles above people's heads. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, I can't remember the period, but but it shows up in old art, so it's like, well, mm. if it's a myth, then why are they drawing it like they're real? I like it was a joke back then, too. Anyway, pretty weird. <laughs> but, um, yeah, morning stars, guys. There you go. Uh, little fun fact. You know, so they talk about Alice Turnberry being pregnant. Yeah. And she's married off and sent up Oh, out to the fingers, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yes. right? The Lord of Pebble. They tried to marry her to Red Roy Connington, and he's like, no, I'm not going to marry her. Are you kidding me? She's pregnant and stuff. She's going to have a bastard kid. 
I'm not well, going to pretend the stinger's child is my own. Right. But then the baby's born. And what color hair does the baby have? Red hair. Bright red hair. A Connington trait. Man. Dude, Red Roy. Oh, you stinker. Yeah. But jerk. Uh-huh. And Alice couldn't say a dang thing. Yeah. How how nice it must be to be Jaharis as well. To just be able to say at the end of this. Uh she always was Jeez. about being a whore. Like, just wash her hands of it. Like, oh, that was just her nature. That was just it. Nothing we could do. She yeah. always was. You know, Vagon was always meant to be an arch. That's another thing where it gets tricky. And I'm a very religious person. You know this. But that's where it gets tricky is you can mask your shortcomings with it was God's will. Yeah. Yeah. God made Vagon that way. God made Sarah that way. There was nothing I could do because it was God's will. Bull crap. Yeah, they a few episodes ago they talked about that with uh, with Septon Barth when they were talking about choosing the new the new uh, Grand Maester, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, "Where men, where, where gods fail to intercede, men must some you know take action or something." I can't remember the exact quote, mm-hmm. but it's the same way, right? Like if yeah, if you want, if you're a religious person, you can believe that gods make things happen uh, and and have you know intervention in in your life. And that's fine to believe that. But also, you've got to take take action to get things done yourself. Right. There's, one, of, one of my favorite stories is about, the, uh, I think it was the Anabaptists. Do you know this this history? Mm. I, they, I, think, I know of them. I think it was the Anabaptists. Anyway, some sect uh, of, you know, some sub-religious sect that they, they believed that God would take care of them. And mm-hmm. so they just all went off to live by themselves and they died of starvation in a field. Ta-da. It's like, well, no, he's not going to like put food in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to do stuff. Right. You know? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, at the risk of sounding preachy here, the God that I know, that I've studied and learned about and, and try to feel in my life, is one that wants me to grow, to one day become mm-hmm. like him. Right. And I'm not going to grow just by going out and sitting in a field and being waited on. Right. I'm going to have experiences that I'm going to mess up on or that I'm going to succeed. But from each one, I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow a little bit more each time so yeah. that I can become like him slash her someday and uh, and reach that level. But I'm not going to get to it just by having my hand held the whole time. Right. Yeah. This was a group that was following like a literal interpretation of the Bible that said, Something along the lines of, he will take care of you. Don't worry, you know, yeah, like, yeah. which is, you know, dangerous. Mm-hmm. There's metaphor in religion. There's themes. Anyway. There's context. <laughs> yes. You got anything else for this section? I don't think so. All right. We've got another question from the Kalisar here. We do. Yeah, what do we got this time? Which Song of Ice and Fire slash Fire and Blood character is your absolute opposite? This one came from... Our queen beyond the wall, uh, B-word, as she's known on Twitter. Yep. I mean, is there really any other answer? Make or Targaryen? <laughs> <laughs> I should have gone with that. <laughs> that that's, that's probably my cop-out answer. Um, 
I really tried to give this one some thought, and it's it's awfully cool of George that he writes characters that I couldn't just pin one down because there's mm-hmm. there's so many different traits that are not my own, but then um, there's things that I do see myself in. Like I see a bunch of myself in King Aeneas, but I like to not think of myself as super weak like he was in, <laughs> in many instances, but his his desire just to like have a good time and for there to be peace and everything lover not a fighter type guy no that's, conflict that's totally me at the same time too and then there's um Viserys who is also all about having a good time as well but I like to think that I I wasn't quite that uh just wilding out as as he was um so there's so many different ways to look at it but Definitely, if I just had to choose an absolute opposite, it's, of course, going to be Magor. Well, I went back. I went back to the main series and I went with Arya. Mm. And really? Yeah. And I came to it really quickly, which surprised me because I was like, oh, this is going to be a hard question. And then when I sat down to really think about it, it came pretty quick. And, you know, she's brave and tough and she's good in a scrap and she's a survivor and all that stuff. And. I don't really think of any of those things really, but that's not the reason I chose it. Mostly she's, she's, I feel like she's always led with her heart Mm. and not her head. Yeah. She's very instinctual. Uh It's why she always chews her lip because she, she, her head knows the right answers or what's about to come, but her heart like won't let her do it or gives her conflict about doing it. And so she's got this, this lip biting thing. It's why she screams how many, how many, how many, how many, how many, because you can't forget the cries of all those people that were tortured. It's it's all heart on a heartless journey for her. And, uh, you know, she's also savage and a murder hobo and everything, which is, you know, not like me either. But, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to say she's like perfect or anything, but she's all heart. And, and I'm very much a, you know, my head can't get out of the way a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. I like that one. Very thoughtful. Um, B word. I I misread your question, and I it's right there. It says which a song of ice and fire or fire and blood characters absolute opposite, and I just completely ignored the a song of ice and fire part. So if I include well, that, okay. I'll definitely say King Stannis. Stannis. That's why. That's why he bugs me so much. Stano the Mano, for reasons I have elaborated on before. So. It's interesting, though, you picked a character that's not like you at all that you despise or dislike. And I picked a character that's not like me at all that I... But you like? (laughs) I don't... I wonder if that says much about what we feel about ourselves. I've never disliked (laughs) Stannis, though. He just drives me nuts. And there's a difference between dislike and drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. He drives me bonkers. All right. Shall we move on? Thank you for the question. Yes. Yes. B-word. Great question. Yeah, we call this one Etu Visera. Shakespeare. The Archmaesters call you the conciliator, I've heard. It's time that you conciliated. Well, it wouldn't be today's episode if we didn't have another complicated betrothal to deal with. This one of Visera, J. Harris and Alisanne's most beautiful daughter. and she's betrothed to a four times widowed fat Northman and that all without Viserys consent. Viserys, for her part 
is kind of another piece of work. Pretty and she knows it. She plays boys against each other all the time to get things, but mostly just to cause trouble. Most notably offering her maidenhead to any of a number of suitors who could stick their head in a dragon's maw. So she sounds a bit like Sarah to me. A lot of similar kind of problems and behaviors. But unlike Sarah, she really was just playing with these guys. She had no intent to actually kiss, bed, marry any of them. She had her eye, singularly, on her brother Balon, who was, for his part, a widower um, from when uh, Alyssa died two years prior in the Ruthen bed. But again, not going after Balon for love, but for power. She wants to be queen. Alisan uh, insisted, uh, you know, with Sarah, you know, not wanting to take part. Alisan insists that Theomore Manderly was a good man, wise, kind. His people love him. Sounds a lot like Roderick Aaron. Um, Viserra protested loudly to both Alisan and Jaehaerys, but neither would budge. It was a good match in their eyes. And getting Viserra out of there to a good man draws the North closer to them politically. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a good match. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, not being listened to, Viserra takes matters into her own uh, huh. hands. She sneaks into Balon's quarters to seduce him, taking her fill of wine while she waited. Balon, upon entering, wastes no time in having her removed and escorted away. Shortly after, but before boarding for the frozen north, she followed Sarah's footsteps again, switching clothes with a servant and going out for one more night of fun. That night started with drinking and boys and ended with drunken horse riding through the streets and a broken neck. By Visera, we hardly knew ye, and we don't really want to. The death wrecked Alisan, though. Her third such death in five years, with Dael and Alyssa succumbing to the childbirth complications, and now this. Uh, you got Sarah sandwiched in there, which wasn't a death, but a tragedy nonetheless. She turned to Majel, her daughter of the faith, who came to support her, and to her youngest daughter, Gail, a girl of seven, who, who also gave her great comfort. Just a sweetheart. Yeah, sounds like a sweetheart. They hung out together, she, you know. Gail would come sneak into her bed and lay with her and stuff. But she also turned to the other daughter who got away. She had been secretly keeping an eye on her on, on Sarah, despite Jaehaerys' con- condemnation of such activity. And with Viserys' loss, the grief drove Alisan to seek further mending that bridge. She is a Lyseni whore, was his opening salvo, and it didn't get better from there. But Alisan tried again, asking Jaehaerys to bring Sarah back for her own sake, for Alisan's sake, because she, Alisan, needed her back. But Jaehaerys laid into her about it, indicating that Sarah is more like to slap Alisan than to want to come home, and even logically rebuffing any attempt to physically bring her back. I'll read just a little bit of this text. And what will the Lyseni do if you try to make off with one of their whores? She has value to them. How much do you think it costs to lay with a Targaryen princess? At best, they will demand a ransom for her. At worst, they may decide to keep you too. What will you do then? Shout for Silverwing to burn their city down? Would you have me send Aemon and Baelon with an army to see if they can prize her free? You want her. Yes, I hear you. You need her. But she does not need you, or me, or Westeros. She is dead. Bury her. Oh yeah. So the queen felt 
these words, as hopefully you did. They cut her deep, and she never really forgave him for them. She sent Jaehaerys on his progress, his next progress all alone and went herself mm-hmm. to brood on Dragonstone. Jaehaerys, for his part, stayed away a long time in the Westerlands, tending his kingdom, leaving the day-to-day ruling of the realm to Aemon and Balon. His singular progress to the Westerlands turned to two as he flew next to the Reach, at one point joined by Rhaenys, his uh, granddaughter, who informed him that she intended to marry. News which overjoyed him. All the while, he and Alysanne played hooky from King's Landing and avoided each other. He met a wall in Old Town, though, in the form of his other daughter, Majel, who convinced him that he was being a fool. Go, Majel. Yes, and then we've got... Uh, We've got part of part of that quote, right, that Matt read about, you know, go make up. You're the conciliator, go conciliate. So say what you want about Jay Harris. He's pretty good at being put in his place and not getting bitter about it. <laughs> That's true. He returned to King's Landing and somehow worked with Alisand to repair their rift. And that's kind of the end of the section. Mm-hmm. Quit playing games with my heart. My Is that the Backstreet Boys? Yeah. I'm sad that I know that. Singing about Viscera. <sighs> oh, yes. There, there there, would have been at least five of them to make a troupe to sing that song, yeah. They did it at the middle school talent show. They performed it, and they just all looked right at her as they were singing it. All of them, every single one. It was really and poignant. She, and she made sure to wink at all of them independently. Uh-huh, she was smiling. She's loving the attention. She loved it. Giving the old circle finger, pointer finger motion to them. <laughs> and they all thought it was for them. Yep. Yep. With their frosted tips. <laughs> and their puka shell necklaces. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, alarmingly similar to Sarah, right? Sarah yeah, totally. was just smarter about it with a clearer plan. It's so much of just like, wait, who am I talking about here? Sarah, Vicera. Yeah. George, maybe we could have just consolidated and just done one well, sister. And... Well, and I only just thought of this as you've said it that way. Maybe George is really trying to hit us over the head with this hammer. They're bad parents. They just went through this and they didn't do any better. <laughs> it's not literally they better just went through it <laughs> and they didn't fix they didn't change anything mm. Mm. <laughs> i mean Times. Uh, honestly though well like what do you expect right like uh, kids I, I saw fiddler on the roof this past weekend uh i'd never seen fiddler on the roof for somebody that loves musicals it's a little bit of a surprise um but the kids in that show spoiler they they follow their hearts, man. Sarah has no interest in this. None. Mm-hmm. And they're just like forcing... And I know that's the way it works, right? You arrange marriages and everything. But like, I don't know. Listen to your kids. Word. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to beat it, beat it up anymore. Uh-huh. We've, already, we've already beaten it up a lot, but... What we should have just done is just summed up the whole section and then talked about all of this. Just like summed up the whole yeah. reading for <laughs> yes, the whole yes, yes. episode. And then talked about the themes. <laughs> and then talked yeah. about, because it's just, yeah, we're just having the same conversation over and over again. But 
Um, and, and again, I think it's important to make the point that you already made to restate it a little bit that, you know, Jaharis and Alisan have a kingdom to run. They've got a lot on their plate. There's a lot of kids. Uh, they're good people who are doing a good job ruling, but we've all got things and there are problems and, you know, I want to say they're doing the best they can. I don't really know that that's true. I don't know that they're doing the best they can. I think they're doing the best they can with the priorities they've given things. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, Jahari's priority is clearly the realm. Yep. And he is the king. You you could argue it should be. And there's justification in saying, listen, I've got a dozen kids and those are important. I've got thousands upon thousands of subjects. And I've got to do right by them. Yeah. And I have a word of the day. It's a oh, hard balance. We're done. Go ahead. It's a hard Go balance. Ahead. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. It's a hard balance to strike. So, uh, what's the word of the day? Word of the day! Yeah. Word of the day is Jeharied. Driven to the point of mental, physical, and emotional strain by your insane children, such that you lash out at your soulmate, causing a rift between you. Jeharied. Jeharied. Jeharying. Uh. That is that is a real world issue, man, for sure. Yes, for sure it show. is. Austin, if you're out there, write it down. Yep, faux show. Is Jaharis is he wrong? About what? This whole tirade, this whole thing that I read part of. Not necessarily, um, but there is you know something called tact, mm. and uh, well, maybe it's just. Maybe he tried to talk to Alisan, tried to talk to her, tried to talk to her, and it wasn't getting through, so he just went the hardball route. Um, but I think it's not an unreasonable expectation for or conclusion for him to arrive at, uh, considering that Sarah's never written back. So there's, there's, I don't know. Yeah. So not knowing Sarah's situation and not being able to say with all certainty that she was happy where she was or whatever. Uh, but I kind of feel that's a reasonable conclusion for him to arrive at. I I am... Yeah. You disagree? I, no, 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 I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm debating telling a story, but we're getting kind of long. Mm. I, I just... It, I, I relate I relate to this because I feel like Alisan has an emotional reason for wanting this to work out. Yeah. And Jaharis has a logical reason for why it's not gonna. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes this is gonna sound bad. Sometimes you have to get angry and aggressive to overcome emotional responses. I know how bad that sounds. No. But the way he gets through to her is by going so over the top with this, with this attack, Mm -hmm. with this logical attack Mm -hmm. that, that she can't, she can't hide from it. I, I remember, I remember when, when Mary was born, I don't know if I've told this story before. Um, Eowyn has uh, struggled to produce enough milk to, to, to feed both of our boys uh-huh. without supplementing. 
which is it's amazing how quickly you learn these things but when you're a new parent you don't know any of it and so you know i think she felt a, a reasonable amount of of shame mm-hmm. of not being able to provide enough which if you're out there women and you've felt this please don't there yeah, are, my wife was kinds. in the same boat my wife was and, in the same boat and and you know mary was losing weight and she wanted desperately to be able to do this and you know we got a week and a half two weeks in and he was he looked scarily small to me and i had i had coddled her enough in my <laughs> mind and i can't remember exactly what i said but it was tantamount to you have to make a different choice and put your son ahead of yourself and he needs he needs you to make the logical choice mm-hmm. to feed him so that he can live and was it over dramatic probably <laughs> probably like i don't think he was in actual imminent danger, in danger. now that i look back yeah. at it but uh-huh. being a parent a new parent as i was totally that's yeah. not how i was looking at it and mm-hmm. i will never forget you know i obviously i've forgotten the actual words but i will never forget that moment of lashing out at her because i didn't want to but i felt like it was what she needed to hear mm-hmm. and and as sucky as it is it got the job done right yeah i bet she wasn't happy hearing it no at first no no yeah no and and we all know we all know how that follow-up conversation goes right oh yeah regardless of who's right the person that was mean is the one that has to apologize yep (laughs) more than the wrong one right and and I don't really remember too well, but I'm I'm sure that I did apologize sure did for too. putting it that way, right? Um, but oh, anyway, this isn't quite as personal a story as yours. Yours hit home really hard, but uh, I was just recently going through, and I'm sorry, I hope this doesn't trigger anybody. Um, an active shooter training for my work. I'm on my my company's emergency response team, which basically means if there's a fire drill, I put on a yellow vest and help people find the exits. But they they had us go through this active shooter training. And um, this cop from the local police department came and was talking to us about it and everything. And he was saying, you know, if if this situation occurs um, and, you know, we police arrive and there's a shooter in the building and we come inside and we pass by you, uh, we are probably going to yell at you to get on the ground and we're not going to talk nicely to you. We are probably going to be swearing at you. You might hear words coming out of our mouths that offend you. (laughs) And he goes, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is our adrenaline will be very high. You'll be running away from a shooter. We will be running towards that shooter. And two is you will be in this traumatic state of mind to where we need to use language and a tone of voice like that just to break through the trauma. Right. And he goes, I'm sorry, but get on the fucking ground is a a lot more likely to break through than please get on the ground, sir. Please lie down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's that same idea kind of is you got to break through. 
Indeed. Yeah. Anyways. Good. Yeah. Good. Good comparison. Uh, yeah. You mentioned we're going long, which is fine. Should we go yeah. on? Yeah, let's go on. Do we have a question? Let's see. Yeah, we do. It's yes. Gene's, Gene's other question. Gene asks, is there a character you went into fire and blood hating and learned to appreciate? Or what about vice versa? Is there one that you thought you, you liked and then didn't? Yeah. yeah um, well, one, one, that, one that I maybe hated less. Uh, I wouldn't say that I learned. I mean, appreciate. I don't know that's a little strong, but Damon Targaryen. Mm. So I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't maybe say I appreciate him, but it seems to me he isn't the full-on villain that I thought he was. Mm-hmm. At least after we've podcasted about him, right? There's stuff um, to him, yeah. There's yeah, there's stuff to him, especially later in his life. Uh-huh. He kind of, I feel like his character kind of redeems himself a little bit. His mm-hmm. worst parts are somewhat speculated. The thing about re- seducing Rhaenyra, his niece, isn't good, but they're not even sure he did it. Um, you know, even if he did, that wasn't really a rare thing for those Targaryens. Right. I'm like, like, it was kind of, it's, it's like, <laughs> it's not good for us, but they, it was kind of, you know, par for the course for them. And, you know, I'm not saying I approve, but maybe just a little bit less of a villain than I mm-hmm. originally thought when I read it. <laughs> and like I said, later in his life, he kind of almost settled down. He became an asset to, to the blacks rather than a liability he kind of had a nice little relationship, it seems, with Nettles, sent her away and saved her, you know, at the expense of, you know, and took out the absolute asshole aim on one eye. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, I liked him more on further reading. And the vice versa for me is Jay Harris, which we've talked quite a bit about in this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, not that I dislike him, Super Capable did a lot of great things for the realm in general. Um I just see his faults more now with a, a closer look than I did before. Right. So you don't see him quite as, he's not as high up on, uh, as right. high a pedestal as maybe he was before. Yeah. That's, that's mine too. Um, I don't, I don't have the, the care <laughs> to hate characters. Like <laughs> I just don't care that much. <laughs> I got I got enough hate in my heart for both of us, man. That a visceral hatred for fictional characters? Nah, no, not really my thing. But going into Fire and Blood, I also I didn't really care much for anything Targaryen. So like, not only do I not care to hate, but I just didn't know enough about Targaryen history to really have developed any sort of strong feelings towards anyone right or wrong but definitely the one that i came out with with a slightly lower opinion was jaharis for the same reasons you had um characters i didn't know i'd like so much as i do that i came out going these guys are awesome or definitely house valerion these guys were great yeah um corliss adam alan pretty much you name it i like the i like these valerions they had their faults too but they were also pretty dang cool especially adam that guy he got stuff done. Yeah. Um, Too bad we don't get more of them in the main series. I think their current ruler or heir is like a boy of 13 or something. Yeah, there's nothing. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dark Horse for me, who I also came out being like, this guy's cool. Rago draws. I like that yeah. guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's cool. I like Rago. Yep. And my, my Circe award goes to Rayana, Egg oh, on the Uncrowned's sure. Wife. Sure. Yeah. I enjoyed reading her a lot more uh-huh. this time. Uh-huh. And she's more central to the story than I remembered. You know, she's kind of periphery central, if you want to think about it that way. Um, but uh, 
yeah, kind of I, I enjoyed reading her more. I don't I wouldn't say I like her, but I enjoyed her perspective and what made her different. Oh, we made that very clear yeah. during our coverage. Uh, but yes, yeah, the Cersei Award, I like that distinction of liked reading her. Um, yeah, yeah, very cool. All right, should we get to our final section of coverage here? I think we want to jump in and do the patron thanks real quick. Yes. Uh, if we can. Do you see that there? Yep. Okay. Uh, for, at our Dirty Cab Driver level, we have Lady Fat-Ass Red. Jeff H. Archmaster June, Healer of the Lesser Popses. Uh, Jamie K. Donorous. Colin U. Gib. Gene. Ghost Chase Killa. The Bard of Legends, Aaron M. Cat Spearborn. Manuji. And Mr. J, the Red Shirt in Black. At the reach around level, of course, B word, the queen beyond the wall. And at our team, John level, we have Misa, our queen of gifts and beauty. Thank you guys for all the support and for just being blood riders. Yep, a big Love you guys. Sloppy kiss to all of you. Um, final section. The quote is, "How is it that I am the old king now, but you are still the good queen? I am old as well, but I am still younger than you." <laughs> Look at these two. Oh, yeah. Joking around, little digs and stuff. All on right. their rockers, yeah. sipping some, some lemonade. Out on the porch with their iced tea. Ah, enough with all this dying and fighting and heartbreak for just a minute. Um, let's have a good time. It's 90 AC, wedding of, well, maybe not the century. There's been some uh, big weddings, but still a big one. Princess Rhaenys, daughter of Amon and Jocelyn. Were, was hitching her dinghy to Lord Corlys Valerion, Lord of the Tides, at 37, and with his nine great voyages already behind him, Corlys declared, Only you could have won me away from the sea. I came back from the ends of the earth for you. Rhaenys, 16 years old, replies, We can go back to the ends of the earth together, but I'll get there first, as yeah. I'll be flying. These two are perfect for each other. One of my favorite couples. She's the best. Uh, the joy was short-lived. The next year, while expelling a ragged band of Mirish pirates from Tarth, Prince Aemon, heir apparent to the Iron Throne, was killed by a stray crossbow bolt. Tragic. Um, the grief felt by the rest of the family was matched only by the wrath of his younger brother, Balon, who, with Vagar, came down upon the Mirish fleets and just wrecked everybody uh, before joining the ground troops, hops off the dragon with Dark Sister and helps to uh, finish up the slaughter. It was only after all of this that he allowed the grief to take hold of him. He says, I slew a thousand, he said to his mother, I slew a thousand of them, but it will not bring him back. One of the saddest lines. Um, Another day, another Targaryen heir dies, right? Uh, life trudges on for the ever more melancholy Jaehaerys, who told Barth one night after a particularly heavy round of drinking, it is always winter now. Um, in other news, Prince Balon's eldest, Viserys, entered the dragon pit at 16 years old to claim his dragon. And uh, homeboy Viserys, he went big, man. He goes yeah. for Balerion. Uh, sluggish, heavy, old, hard to rouse. Viserys was able to coax the Black Dread into a couple laps around King's Landing, 
and this would end up being Balerion's final flight as he would succumb to old age less than a year later, the last living creature in all the world who saw Valyria in all its glory, eulogized Septon Barth. And the melancholy doesn't stop. Uh, Septon Barth dies about four years after this. Grand Maester Elisar, a bit before that, Lord Redwine, his son Robert. I mean, it got to a point where Jaehaerys would enter the council chamber and think, who the f*** are these guys? And then, as much as we hate to arrive to this point, Alisan. The good queen's final years were sad and lonely ones. Years of childbirth, travel, and grief had taken its toll. She was feeling it. She was feeling frail. No longer being able to fly as she had so loved. No longer able to enjoy the company of many of her children. She's not even able to walk anymore without a cane. Age was indeed cruel. Even her sweet winter child Gale, born so late into Alisan's life, mysteriously disappeared and died the year before Alisan dies. Sarah still lives, but in lease, as we mentioned, and Vagon, cold and distant, was an archmaester in Old Town. Only Balon remained close, helping with the governance of the realm and preparing to inherit the throne. Um, the very feeling... Uh, being of being in King's Landing was more than she could bear following Gale's death, and Alisan returns to Dragonstone for her remaining time among the living, and she would pass away there in 100 AC at 64 years of age, and that's the the end of this section. Yeah, sad ending for Alisan. Mm-hmm. The gale is a gut punch. Right. Um, you know, surprised Allison didn't throw herself from a window at that point. But but the the gut punch to the reader, well, at least to this reader, was wasn't even gale as much as the stuff earlier. There's there's a bit in there that says all these loves were lost to her in the last decade of her life, referring to her love to read, her participation in council, and being a valid uh, participant in the realm and. All these things that she's good at, arranging marriages, all these all these things that were her passions in life, um, you know that she, that she excelled at and, and loved. Mm-hmm. They they soured on her as she got old, and that's that's <laughs> that really speaks to my life philosophy. Uh, I don't really want to sacrifice things for a longer life. Mm-hmm. I don't eat healthy. I don't, I, I don't, I just want to enjoy what I have okay. living to 90, but not being able to do shit. No, thanks. Like I, I just, I, I will take 70, but quick, you know, um, Dennis Leary has a bit in no cure for cancer, his brilliant comedy album, um, where he's talking specifically about smoking, which I don't recommend. I'm not recommending smoking, but he says that they say, Smoking takes 10 years off of your life. And he says, yeah, but they're the 10 last years. They're the shittiest years, mm-hmm. you know? And I just feel for Alisan here because she lost she lost so much that made her such a vibrant person in the later years. Yeah. And, and didn't slog. have the comfort of most mm-hmm. of her kids either. Right. Um, you know, to, to help assuage that. I mean, really only Balon. Yeah. That yep. sucks. Yep. yep. Yeah. You know, 
I really love the uh, relationship between Aemon and Balon. We don't have a ton. No. But what we have seemed to be really beautiful. Like, in their younger years, there was this constant sense of competition. But it never seemed to like be, like, personal or malicious or anything like that. Like, Aemon would go and get his spurs and claim his dragon. And Balon would come in, you know, and try to one-up him by doing it all before like if Amon was mm-hmm. 17 Balon would try to do it at 16 but I never got this sense that like Amon resented him for doing no. that or that there, there was, was no animosity about it right they he just had this really beautiful relationship and it broke my heart that line of I slew a thousand of them but it will not bring him back and uh yeah. that's one of those things that out of this 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 family full of dysfunction, despite how great the parents were, at least the Amon and Balon thing was cool. Like, and so sad that uh, we lose Amon and then we lose Balon in the very next chapter of Fire and Blood. But yeah, when 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 I read about Amon this time, I was reminded of Balor Breakspear. Mm-hmm. Um, you yep. know, kind of lived to an age where he probably should have been ruling mm-hmm. and king. Um, died somewhat tragically in something that, like, maybe he had no business even being involved in. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I think. You know, we, it, go ahead. I think we talked clear back a long time ago. You made the point of may, one of the biggest things that maybe went wrong with Jaharis with the whole Aaron Asper idea is Jaharis just lived too dang long. Yeah. Ended up outliving all his uh, potential heirs. Right. And, and Daron kind of had a similar problem. Mm-hmm. They didn't outlive them all, but uh, outlived the <laughs> maybe the one that <laughs> that could have really helped the realm a lot. Right. Yep. War, what is it good for? Am I right? Yep. And only the good die young. <sighs> it's one of my karaoke go tos. Rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. That's right. The sinners are much more fun. Yep. In my experience. Um, another comparison. Uh, you mentioned liking the Valerians. Uh, interesting Corliss. I feel like Corliss like, includes Rhaenys and that their marriage is very involved together. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Oakenfist, he marries uh, Bela. And just like and leaves, leaves. yeah, peace. And like, you wonder what could have been there too. Like they could have been a similar kind of power couple in that way. Had he kind of just engaged with her, and I mean, I she she got pregnant early, and they had the kids and stuff, so it gets a little different. That I guess, makes but... it tough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's like Corliss and Raina found these uh, Rainies. Sorry, Rainies. Yes, I still get them mixed up. Found this common ground. And even though it was different, she loved to fly, he loved to sail, all this, but they still loved the adventure side of it. And so yeah. able to do that. And and we see later on in their relationship as they get older that they become this very formidable partnership, even more so than like a romantic love, but they were a good duo. They were just good together, right? And yeah, they were one yeah. of some of my favorite couples. For sure. This. You have anything else for this section here? I don't think so. This was All a right. section of uh, killing people off. And yes. Just getting things out of the way. But 
Yeah. yeah. We've got one more question from the Kalasar before we move to our Fire and Blood capstone. Mm-hmm. If you could ask Gurm one question, what would it be? That's from Aaron Motes, yeah. Blood Rider. Half. Get away with one. It's tough. Okay. First of all, how dare you? That'd be how my dare first you, question. Aaron. How dare you? <laughs> That'd be my first question for Gurm. How oh. dare you? <laughs> first of all, George, how dare you? Yeah. Or but I'd ask Aaron that too. How dare you, sir? Uh, can I buy you a drink? Um, I think I try to think of this, the plot stuff, like I want to figure that out in the books. I don't want to like ask him. Um, one question I'd like to ask him is, is there anything you regret writing Mm. that like you wrote a storyline and then realized later on, like, Oh crap. Well, I made my own bed with this one. I guess here we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so if there's anything that he wishes he would have done differently or with hindsight would have changed, you know, this character's arc or what he did here or something like that, that'd be really interesting to me. Um, And another question, if I could, I'd ask him how he gets into his creative headspace to sit down and write. Yeah, I don't know if he can answer that. I feel like so different. And I don't know that it would be helpful for me if he did. Yeah. But that's always interesting to me. From what I've read, his process is so is so different than most. Well, I don't know about most, but like it takes him a lot to get into it. Right. And then once he's into it, he'll stay there for days. And then he's just in. And but yeah. That's always fascinating yeah. to me how people get into a space where they can yeah. write. So most of the time I get in a space where I want to write when I can't. When I'm I'm in a Oh absolutely I'm working yep. or I'm driving or i'm doing yeah. something and i'm like i got these things that i just want to get out and i can't at mm-hmm. that time and then you get home and everything yeah. in life hits kids and dinner and yeah. chores and yeah nope and 11 o'clock rolls around and you finally have time to do it but you're like exhausted yep yep, <laughs> yep. uh so i i like your line of questioning a lot better than mine because it's mm. personal instead of you're right like plot based uh, the one I came up with was what exactly, like in air quotes, exactly did Rhaegar read that made him Ooh, change yeah. course and become a warrior? Cool. How much of that did he share with his family, specifically, you know, Amon? Cool. Uh, no, I like that one. Yeah, that and ties I, in back to Team John and all that stuff. Right, because I don't know that that would, will be answered in the series at all. That might just be one of those things that just yeah is there. So Yeah. That's a good one. I like it. Cool. All right. Should we so, finish off Fire and Blood? Yeah, let's do it. So from here, Fire and Blood just moves. Well, I mean, it moves into territory we've already covered. And in fact, we covered some of the stuff that we just talked about in this episode. We talked about more tangentially in, in the first in our Rogue Prince episode, the first one we did on Fire and Blood. So we're already into some overlapping territory. But from here, Fire and Blood moves into a, a period of linking all this family stuff that we've been talking about, the fates of the marriages and the children and deaths and fights and everything, linking all that stuff to what it means moving forward for the, the Iron Throne, how that leads to the Dance of Dragons, what it means for the future of Targaryen in general, and really the whole future of Westeros is tied up in the conflicts around the heirs of J.R.S. and Alysanne. Mm-hmm. Um 
you know, it's, this is not just a tragedy that Alisande doesn't have her kids around her. This is this has repercussions for the next two hundred years, as as you know, we'll kind of talk about a little bit here. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. in the immediate, what we get is the deaths of Amon left and Balon left a void as an heir, and Jaehaerys was an old done man who had lost his wife two years earlier, and frankly couldn't be bothered to choose an heir. Basically, <laughs> he's like, I don't want to. Right. Mm-hmm. There's Vagon, his son. There's Viserys, his grands, his firstborn grandson. Uh, there's Rhaenys, his firstborn granddaughter. There's Leonor, who is his firstborn granddaughter's son. Uh, all of them kind of have a case, but he doesn't want to choose. So he calls this great council of 102 to let them choose. And that great council, we covered it before, but it sets a precedent for men over women. And it also kind of shows that these people are impatient and they don't want to wait for Leonor to grow up. They want someone that can rule right now. Yep. And then pretty much immediately after he's chosen, Viserys goes against this precedent and names his heir <laughs> as his only child, Rhaenyra. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and then he marries Alicent later when Aema dies and has a bunch of kids with his second wife to complicate things further. So so basically that's that's the setup. That's that's what sets up um that that is what is set up by the problems we have with with the Jaharis and Allison Air situation. And if you want to, Kalisar, you can uh, shoot back on to like episode 82. Yeah, it's 81 on. or 82. Yeah. yeah, I think 81 was our Sons of the Dragon episode with Magor and Annie's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just cruising through our Podbean site right now. Episode 82 is a Rogue Prince. Um, yeah, right. where we cover this stuff. So if you want to hear our coverage of that, go backwards. Start at 82 and go from there. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, no, that's good. I mean, that, now it's just a matter of kind of discussion. Like, um, how how did how did the failure of Alison and Jaharis to make a solid, clear line of succession, um, how did that lead to the dance, right? Yeah. And who is mm-hmm. to blame for that? I think it's everyone. When you say everyone, <laughs> well, I think I think Jaharis is partially at fault for not just taking responsibility and and doing the right thing and naming an heir and setting a precedent and right. telling it like it is. Setting a precedent for malleability or, um, yeah that 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 caused huge problems later on. This great council idea seems like a great idea in theory, but when you look at it from the bird's eye view later on, like, oh, that's what it did. I mean, I'm not a fan of monarchy, but if you're going to be a monarch, you got to be a monarch. You know, and the Ron Swanson quote, don't, uh, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna go all in on the monarchy thing, yes, you gotta choose that monarch. And this is our guy. This is how it is. And then he's gonna pick the next guy, and he's gonna pick the next guy. And that's just how it's going to be. Otherwise, right. you end up with rebellions. And maybe you'd end up with a rebellion anyways. You know, you get a Magor, and all of a sudden things go crazy. But yeah, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but he's not alone, right? Like, 
he, you know, fine, this council chose this thing. And then Viserys, who ended up getting chosen, kind of to blame a little bit too, right? We've talked about cut this in previous right episodes. Yep. Yeah, and cut the legs right out from under the decision that was made. Um, you know, I mean, I guess he didn't really have another heir to name, so maybe he kind of had to do that. But then as the years went on, 20 years, you know, 30 years go by, and he confuses it, right, by taking a second wife, by having these other kids... Mm-hmm. And not fighting hard enough to disinherit them. He says it a few times. Rainier is the heir. Rainier is the heir. Yeah. But he does it passively and not with, you know, when Jaehaerys was young, this was one of the things he might have yelled about, right? And made very clear, mm-hmm. right? Rainier is the heir, period. He left enough wiggle room, I think, that he's partially to blame as well. And then, of course, there's, you know, Alicent and Aegon the Second and Rhaenyra, Damon to some extent, all of them kind of jump in, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, what we're leading to really is how all of this flows from from the instability. So, you get then the dance, right? This conflict to determine the next heir after Viserys, and that just causes death and anger and frustration between the factions of the family, all again led by the fact that there is no clear succession plan. It leads to the extinction of dragons. And that really is the beginning of the end. I know the Targaryen dynasty is going to continue for some time after this, but it really is the beginning of the end for them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely the beginning of the end. Um, You know, with the extinction of the dragons on the horizon that leads to the destabilization of the Targaryen aristocracy in general. Yep. It gives people an opening to plant seeds of dissension, to gain power themselves, to build pockets of resistance, right? Because you can't and just have those Death Stars deploy and exactly. wipe it out. Exactly. And that decline, you're right, it took 150 years, but slowly they got to the point where we are today. Mm-hmm. Where there could be a rebellion that rose up and took over because the people had had enough, yep. right? And it's all it's all from this this spot of Jaehaerys and Alysanne not kind of securing the future. And like I said, there are other there are other inflection points to blame all along these two hundred years, but but it all kind of starts here, in my opinion. And what's crazy is this should have been the farthest thing from the spot, right? Yeah, 13, 13 kids. kids, man. Yeah. <laughs> that should have set things up for forever. Right. And I, I've tried to think about, like, what happened that with all these kids dying? Was there some sort of, is the gene pool weakening or something? Was, I know, A&E's, Jaehaerys and Alisanne's father was kind of a weaker dude. Did like yep. his, did his weak genes kind of skip a generation and hit all the kids? I don't know, but it's crazy. Well, for sure, some of them died in childbirth and stuff, and um, uh, Daenerys of the Shivers. So maybe there was a little bit of weakness in the genes. But I think you know they lost some of them to poor parenting. Um, <laughs> yeah, some know. just fell off horses or right or took um, a crossbow bolt through the neck. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know. Some of them didn't really probably have enough heirs of their own. 
yep. Amon choosing to have one child, or I don't know if they stopped yes, trying or what. Chosen, but yeah. Like, had he had a couple sons, maybe this problem all goes away, but he didn't, right? Yep. And then he died at, what, 30, 34 or something? He wasn't that old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... so uh, and one, so so it leads all the way to this destabilization to you know where we are at 300 AC, um, where again, the you know the War of the Five Kings is a battle of succession, right? Who is who is the best to stabilize the realm? And then ironically, what you get is this outsider Daenerys who has dragons, who is supposedly right according to some going to come in and stabilize everything, right? By be because she's the true heir. She's the one that should really be in charge, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what does fire and blood tell us? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Coming in just like Aegon did, right? Three dragons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No no spouses yet. Mm-hmm. Well I guess right. uh his Dar's materials. <laughs> but um but uh you know not not one she's proud of mm-hmm. not one that's gonna ride a dragon certainly hey we don't know let's have a little faith in the guy <laughs> have a little faith in his die <laughs> anyway that that's the capstone is just what i what i wanted to get across is just like this is a major inflection point the lack of a stability a stable succession plan leads to all of this Right. Yeah, that's a it's a really interesting point to make. And I'm, I'm you know, we can justify it now and be like we planned to do this all along to end at this point with Jaharis and Alisan. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, we didn't. Uh we can't tell you how little forethought we put into this. Um but uh it it did end up being rather fortuitous, right? To I think so. End it yeah. here and be able to have that discussion in the context of Jaharis and Alisan and their family. It worked out really cool. So I like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You ready to right. play a game? Let's play. All right. We you ready, up a little game for you. Yep. We like to call it Child of Jaharis, Other Targaryen, or both. Super original name. <laughs> uh, in this game, basically, we're just going to give you a name. And kind of, kind of in the line of Radio Westeros, you've got three seconds to answer it. But instead of waiting to answer them all at the end, we're just going to tell you after these three seconds. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's just going to be empty air for three seconds. Why do you keep talking to yourself? Uh, and then you just come up with whether or not it's a child of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, some other rando Targaryen, or both. Mm-hmm. So keep your own score and be honest. And uh, we'll start off. Uh, we'll start off easy. Yeah. Why don't you do the first one? I'll do the second one and so on. Perfect. Okay. We'll start off easy here. Aegon Targaryen. Aegon. Okay. Clearly the answer is both. Gave you the first one for free. Aegon was the firstborn <laughs> son of JNA, but died right afterward. This is the one that Alison blamed on the attack at Maidenpool, ruining her pregnancy and prompting her to take many of her next pregnancies to Dragonstone to focus on delivery. Also, you know, there was lots of them throughout history. We talked about that earlier in the episode, including the Conqueror. 
I don't know. There might have been a few people that forgot that they had that the they had first. Yeah. Yeah. So there don't might have been bad. some don't people feel, that said yeah. it was not. Yeah. Don't feel bad if you missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, number two, Daemon Targaryen. Daemon. Okay, you ready? Daemon was an other Targaryen. He was actually Jaehaerys and Alysanne's grandson, the son of Balon and Alyssa. Um, there's also future daemons of the House Blackfire that might count as Targaryens, or not, depending on your leaning. But uh, other. Right. All right, the next one we have for you, number three, Viscera Targaryen. Viscera. Okay. Viscera is a child of Jaehaerys, the most beautiful daughter of Jaehaerys and Alysan. Died of a broken neck at age 16 while trying to have one last night of fun before being shipped off to marry a Manderly. Not to be confused with Viserion, the dragon. Mm-hmm. Viscera. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's another one that could potentially go in the the easy realm. Uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Daenerys. This one was a both. Daenerys was the second-born child of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, an absolute delight and treasure. Alysanne actually lobbied for her to be named heir to the throne. Um, she would fall victim to the shivers and die at only six years of age. Hmm. And then, of course, we've had other Daenerys Targaryens of varying levels of fame. Mm-hmm. Fun fact I found, according to the wiki, Daenerys was originally a son named Aaron in the world of Ice and Fire. Hmm. It's an interesting change. I wonder why. I went back and looked, and they, they switched up all sorts of order of kids being born and names and stuff like that. Yeah. George had a big change of mind. That That, well, it feels this one. I don't know about all of them, but this one feels very much like, hey, let's tie this back to the main series and put some themes in there that are similar. (laughs) Yeah. All right, number five, Baylor Targaryen. Baylor. Okay. Other, while Jaehaerys and Alicent did have a Baylon, King Baylor the Blessed wasn't born until one forty four the great-grandson of Balon. We also have Balor Breakspear, who we talked about earlier in this episode a little bit, who wouldn't arrive until 170. And uh, he was the son of Daron. Yep. Very good. One more. Final one. Valerion. Valerion Targaryen. Not House Valerion. Valerion Targaryen. This little guy was a child of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, uh, the twelfth born of the good queen. Poor Valerion was sickly and would not survive his first year. Uh, the birth took its toll on Alysanne, who would remain bedridden for half a year following his birth. Child of Jaehaerys. And that's it. That's it. Let us know that's if you fun. liked playing that game. Let us know if you uh, if you got all of them right hope you did um you didn't uh, get them all right there were a couple that threw you off 
there are some people I guarantee on all of them. There are, yeah. Sure. You're absolutely, yes, you're right. Yeah. The only thing, I think most people would get them all right if we gave them a little more time. Mm-hmm. It's the time that might 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 trip people up. It's the only thing we um, got going for us. <laughs> uh, that, and, and that's all we got for the episode as well. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I suppose we should sign off now. Yes, we should. Um, I, I had a, a bunch of like fortuitous quotes come my way as we were preparing for this episode. Mm. Uh, for tuition. Love it. I, I needed it for this episode too, but <laughs> I actually saw this one in a Jimmy John's restaurant, <laughs> at least in the, the Jimmy John's close to our work. Disallowed. Plastered. Vito veto i'm taking it buddy (laughs) plastered all along the walls of this little jimmy john's are different quotes from tons of different things uh, all sorts of different characters and stuff and uh one of them that was facing right at me as i was sitting there eating my sandwich was a man's success is measured by what his children say about him timely considering both our subject yeah. matter and kind of the way our conversation went this episode. Very Fears much, you yeah. and I both have. Very much, yeah. I gave an oof in there and I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, I was involuntary. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did the same thing when I read it. I was like, holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> uh, well, mine is uh, less profound, uh, but very heartfelt. Uh, this is signifying the end of our coverage of Fire and Blood. Um, Matt and I together have gone through A Song of Ice and Fire uh, together with you guys along for the ride. We've gone through the Dunkin' Egg series. We've gone through the novellas in Fire and Blood. Uh, And it's been a ride and just thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the interactions you give us. Thanks for caring about this series as much as we do. And I hope you guys are still listening and enjoying it. Because we'll keep doing it. We're not going anywhere. Absolutely. Okay. Good night. Thanks, guys. Good night. Uh, you know. <laughs> the, bo- the bone, bone, something, something, something. The bones and the and the <laughs> darkness and the... <laughs> and the. I can't believe we didn't put that in our notes. Uh, we're moving on. We're moving on to the last uh, section in that book, which is about a shy and everything. So read that last section if you want to follow us, follow along on the next episode, and uh, we'll let you know what's coming after that. But we're yeah. gonna kind of handpick different spots um, for uh, fr- from that book um, as we go forward about things that we kind of think are interesting that we think we can talk about uh, and have some fun with. So. Mm-hmm.